Blog Talk Radio. Law enforcement and attorneys general are some of the people that President Trump said he wants to send to poll locations for the upcoming election. During a phone interview on Fox News, Sean Hannity asked Trump how he planned to monitor voting in the name of guarding against voter fraud. Trump listed quite the lineup. We're going to have everything. We're going to have sheriffs and we're going to have law enforcement and we're going to have hopefully U.S. attorneys and we're going to have everybody in attorney general. CNN reports it's unclear if the president has the authority to do this with Rick Hasen, an election expert at the University of California at Irvine, telling the outlet that the Trump campaign could hire off-duty police to monitor the polls. But President Trump wouldn't have authority to deploy local law enforcement. Still, the news outlet points out that the Trump campaign is recruiting tens of thousands of Republican volunteers for what they said could be their largest poll-watching operation. Trump's comments on sending attorneys and police to polls come after voting rights groups and some Democratic officials have said the president's previous comments, especially against mail-in ballots, are an attempt to suppress voters.
Welcome to another edition of the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network and WCOM FM and Chapel Hill and Carborough. It is the Bachelor News Radio Show. I'm L.A. Bachelor, your host, and I hope uh, wherever you are listening, your day is going well. It's been well, and we appreciate you uh, checking in where you are. So the way to get in touch with us um, is 646-929-0130, the number, 646-929-0130, to get in touch with us. You hit us up on Facebook at uh, Pad Nation, Pad Nation, the number two at Twitter, L.A. Bachelor Instagram, and email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com. I want to bring in my guests. Uh, good to have them on. They're co-hosts of uh, the show called You and the Law. that airs every uh, Tuesday evening at uh, 6 p.m., uh, sorry, 7 p.m. Eastern time on our on uh, blogtalkradio.com and the Bachelor News Radio Network. And, of course, the rebroadcast we'll get into as well. He is Chief Humphrey and Chief uh, uh, Virgil Green. And, gentlemen, I appreciate you coming on uh, in short notice. Hey, hey, glad to be on the show with you, L.A., and your Pad Nation audience. Yeah, thank you, man. We're honored to be here. And so, you know, I, I might get a little raw. The views expressed here are not necessarily the views of, of you and the law. Um, but, I, no, I, I want to bring out a couple of things. Get your, your thoughts, hey, guys. Hey, 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 L.A., are you trying to are you trying to say we're kind of conservative, man? Are you trying to say hey. we're liberals or something, L.A.? Someone emailed your show, and, you know, I'm just saying, you know, no, of course not. I love you, brothers, man. I do. I love you guys, and I, I pray for you guys to keep your head down and keep your head up. You know what I mean? Um, wanted to get your thoughts, start with you, uh, uh, Chief Green, on uh, Derek Chauvin, the ex-officer charged in the killing of George Floyd, released on $1 million bond. That was yesterday. Um, and this is the same question to both of you. So why does a guy take me through the law side, maybe not the, the court side, but what you guys know and what you have to do when he's uh, arrested and indicted and he gets a $1 million bond. And if I'm not mistaken, that's only 10% of that. If I'm not, I mean, maybe it's different in other places. You can correct me on that as well. But why would a guy like this, on one of the most heinous crimes, Chief Green, where all the world to see, for that eight and a half minutes, he put his damn knee on this guy's neck and killed him. Why would he even get a bond anyway? So your thoughts on that? Because it, to me, um, what you guys talk about it all the time, and you guys do the right thing. But officers and shit like this always makes it bad for you guys. Then they're like, oh, here they come. Here comes those cops again. So what? why would they even give a bond to a guy like this, Chief Green? Well, and I'm going to say this, LA. I think, you know, some people may agree and may not agree, but in the in the court system, you know, every person is afforded the right to have a bond or a right to uh, be bonded out of jail on the charges unless uh, a the judge, judge right. uh, uh, states that uh, this is a, a crime that you will not get a bond on. I mean, that's left up to a judge. So 
uh, in this case with the situation in Minneapolis, uh, you know, he was, he has been charged and is awaiting, uh, you know, to go through the court process. And he had the most highest bind uh, of a $1 million bond. And so that was left up to that judge to set that bond. And uh, apparently the, I don't know if the defense made any kind of motion to say that they didn't agree with it or what, but it was a $1 million bond, as you stated, and 10% of that, which is what, maybe $100,000 or, you know, but right. it is 10% of $1 million. So, again, uh, a lot of people will not agree with it, uh, but, again, that's just how one of the things that – How do you feel about it, though, Chief? Chief, how well, do you feel about it? Well, personally, I, I think it should have been uh, uh, either a no bind or a higher bind uh, because of the severity of the crime that we all witnessed from another person recording the, the, the video and the fact that, you know, he took a man's life. I mean, it's left up to the court system to uh, to decide his fate, but at the same time, I think that's why people – especially in our community, don't trust the criminal justice system because they feel like, here's this man, he got a, a $1 million bond, and uh, he's he's out free, but George Floyd, he's in jail, so uh, he will be, he will be able to get out of, uh, you know, be able to get out and go home and, and be with his family. You know, Chief Swag, uh, Humphrey, look, you, I, I, listen, I know you're very, very uh, uh, diplomatic on the air, but I know, I know you're off the air too. So I I know how you get down in terms of, you know, you could be, you, you, you have to have a certain decorum in your position. And I do understand that, but this has got to be, this is wrong on every level, Chief. I mean, you're still chief. You're a black man. I mean, I, I understand um, it, it's not on, say, uh, the prosecutor. The prosecutor maybe could have pushed hard, but that judge should not. This man should not be walking free for two reasons. If he feels guilty, uh, chief, he might want to kill himself or he might want to flee. Either one is no good. And so a, a million dollars, 10% being 100000 you get a GoFundMe thing. If you get enough of those Klansmen together, uh, former police officers, officers, and GoFundMe, and there's his 100000 which is probably what happened. I don't know his, his situation, or but maybe that's, that's a possibility. But how do you feel um, uh, with the, the way the climate of, of these, these no bills and all these different things that are going on with, with – uh, the bad cops that make your heart, your life difficult, get away with. And how do you feel about it personally? Well, you know, you, you know, the 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 concern is, or the thought is, is that all that man's life is worth? I mean, George Floyd is that all George Floyd's life is worth? Uh, right. You know, a million dollars. And I don't think anybody expects. I don't. You can never. You, you know. You can never have a bond high enough to justify what he what he did. But I think the concern. You know what I would ask is. You know why that judge. You know why he felt it was uh, necessary to set that amount. And uh, the other one is who paid his bond. Uh, 
you know, was it a group that paid his bond? Was he able? Because we know that there were some financial issues there with him, uh, he and his ex-wife. And so the, the the concern is, you know, why why now? You know, why he's been in jail for months? You know, why now? Why did the judge set that bond? Uh, you know, if that would have been uh, on the shoe on the other foot, uh, that bond probably would have been higher. Uh, and so we are. You know, this is the concern that 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 that's going on in the African American community. Uh, we're being, you know, we feel dehumanized. We feel as though our life's not worth. Uh, doesn't have a price. I mean, you know, people put prices on our lives, and you know, you just can't do that. So it, it is disappointing. Uh, you know, he is walking around free. I mean, there's no there's no question about the fact that he contributed, that he actually murdered this man. Uh, you can't lie about it. You can't. There's no justification to it. You can't try to sugarcoat it. And so I think that's what the concern, of, you know, people have. Now let me say this. You know, we talk about 10% of that million dollars. I know some states are 25% of that million dollars. Uh, I don't know. Uh, could the judge have put that's a million dollar cash bond, which would have meant that's a million dollars? Uh, I think he may still be in jail, but. At the end of the day, under the criminal justice system that we have, everyone has a right to bail. Uh, whether we agree with it or not, they have a right to, uh, you know, right to a, a due process. And and the question becomes, did George Floyd have due process? And I would say, you know, the answer is absolutely not. He did not. And you know, the the with, to your point, um, you know, uh, it's like. To me, you have a right to health care. That doesn't mean when you go to the emergency room, you're going to get good health care. You have a right to it. Um, and I think, you know, with with law and with uh, the, the criminal system, I can't even say justice because we don't get any justice, in my opinion. The criminal system that we have, you're absolutely right. But what more, did, what more can a man do where a judge wouldn't say, uh, no bail. It's murder. We all agree it's murder. That that officer that didn't belong on that that um, force in the first place. He's gone. We know it's murder. And he's walking around free, home ha- home having dinner with his family, whoever whoever that family is. While you know George, you know George Floyd is is never coming back to, to be with his family and his children and everybody else. Let me get this, uh, um, ask you out this other question. We're talking with, uh, uh, chief Virgil green and chief Keith Humphrey, uh, the co-host to, uh, African-American chief, uh, uh, the show of course is called the you and the law that airs every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time on blogtalkradio.com. And of course the rebroadcast you can catch at 4 a.m. And 6 p.m. and more to come, which we'll be announcing um, down the road uh, on uh, the BassinNews.airtime.pro. Stay with you, Chief Humphrey. Um, the, the, how painful and, and how much of a, a difficulty does these type of situations make for you to do your job? And again, we've already established that you're doing your job to the best of your ability as an honest uh, um, a person with, with morals and, and trying to uphold the law as a chief. But you, you get 
a Trayvon Martin who dies at the hands of a coward who hasn't learned his lesson, by the way. He was in Texas starting trouble. And, um, and he used to stand your ground in Florida and is walking free. Should be a dead man walking, in my opinion, but that's my opinion. And in the Breonna Taylor case, you have her boyfriend who fired a shot protecting his family, protecting his property, standing his ground, and they were going to railroad him. Not only that, his girlfriend got six bullets in her body and is dead. And so when you hear these these, these double standards, Chief, again, it might be an old uh, story, an old conversation, but I want you to make sure the audience knows, if you can, how difficult that makes your job because black, white, certainly black, now and you black uh, they don't trust the trust is not there there's a disconnect that you even you have to do some serious community policing and i know you got stuff in place in in, in arkansas little rock but uh, tell explain how difficult it is when we have these double standards uh, going um taking place in 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 terms of this quote unquote justice or lack thereof yeah, good point, L.A. It's very difficult because what happens is for so long uh, we have we have uh, in law enforcement uh, as a whole have hidden behind we fear for our safety. But what did that mean? And uh, you know there there have been there have been shootings throughout the nation for years, decades, years, in which uh, police officers have been able to say that uh, they haven't had to articulate why how they felt for their safety. Uh, the training that comes in, uh, in in some departments in the past have been, this is what you have to say. This is all you have to say. And so then when you equip someone like that, they go out here and you encounter someone who might be a little bit bigger than you, who might have a, a deeper voice than you, who might be a little bit um, straightforward. Uh, then you become to the point of, man, I, I, how do I handle this guy? He's being disrespectful of this girl. How do I handle them? And so at the end of the day, it ends up some type of force is being used up to the level of deadly force. And so when we, we're telling people that we're a better profession, uh, we, we believe in community policing, we believe in 21st century policing, we believe in proactive partnerships, we're here for you. And then we see things like Breonna Taylor and we see things like George Floyd and we see things like what just happened in Wolf City, Texas. Uh, right. Those things right there knock us back. Uh, we take five steps forward, and that knocks us back ten miles. And so those are the things that make it very difficult because whether it's true or not, whether it's perception or reality, it's very difficult for me as a police chief to to tell the African-American community or Hispanic community that African-Americans aren't being targeted by police. It's very difficult for me to get people to believe that. It's very difficult for them, for me to get citizens to believe that we're not training uh, to kill. You know, when you have someone like Amber Geiger who gets up on the stand and say that she was trying to kill both of them, John, uh, and it's very difficult. It is extremely difficult to convince the African-American community that that's not the way we're being trained, that that's not 
we aren't we don't believe in equality when it comes to uh various neighborhoods socioeconomic ethnic uh backgrounds so it is very difficult uh no matter what you're doing in your department how proactive you are it is difficult to get people to believe that now and i tell you what la it is becoming even more difficult to recruit mm. and and you know chief green to to your buddy's point and Swag's point that it is very difficult. And then throw on top, throw on top that you have politicians, you have attorneys, uh, even black attorneys that tell us to stand down. You know, so let yeah. let the justice system take place. So again, and I talk about this on the show and on your show before. You know, okay, let's stand down. So we it's a traffic stop. We we give up license registration and and flinched the wrong way, and the guy's already the, the white cop already got his his latch popped off, ready to do something. We get shot. We don't uh, acquiesce. We get shot. We stay in the car. We get shot. We get out. We get shot. We're in that damn house and getting six bullets and getting killed. So it, yeah. it's I think it makes it even more difficult for you if you're trying to tell black and brown people to stand down and hey, I understand. Yet they watching it, you know, on TV, or they know someone who got killed. I hell, I had uh, plenty of cops put guns in my head back in the day in in the hood in the projects, you know, and that, that and so we didn't trust the, the the police officers. We have good ones like I'm talking to right now, uh, in our opinion. So so talk about how, uh, that the, the fact that we you want us to stand down, not you, but you know, officers want us to stand down and just go through the process, and people are hurt and upset and angry. Yeah, well, in LA, one of the key words is, is trust, and I think as as police chiefs, when you talk to people in the community and people in the community, they hear about these things, they see these things on TV, and the question that they'll ask, and just like everybody that's listening, is how can I trust what you're saying? How can I trust a system that you may believe in, but it's a system that I don't believe in? but you want me to trust that system to, to be fair. And so I think that is the, one of the, the biggest hurdles that you have to get over is getting people to trust the system and that system is not fair because when you look at what happened with, like you, you know, brought up with Breonna Taylor and, and now we're seeing the, the video the, from the SWAT team, how they entered that apartment and how, one of the SWAT members said, well, she's gone. You know, it, it was just so callous, the fact that to say that this woman's, you know, her life is gone. Well, she's done. She's done. And so it's things like that, that, that people, especially in the black community will say, well, man, I don't trust what you say. And so it, it is real, you know, just as Keith said, it's, it's hard to overcome when, you're trying to build those relationships with people that don't already trust the community and the fact that we have had so many people that have been killed by police officers. And, you know, I'm going to bring up the, the young lady that was killed in Fort Worth who, you know, the officer was charged, but again, he is out on bond. And so they went to this house because a neighbor called in saying that, Hey, you know, the front door was open, and next thing you know, this young lady, she gets shot and killed inside of her home. So, again, mm. Ella, it is just – it is so difficult to 
ask the public to trust the system and the system does not is not being fair to to the people that they're dealing with. And the follow up to both of you, you both can answer. Um and I listen, uh and, and Pan Nation, uh I I talk to these guys all the time, so I I, I know some things in, in terms of how, you know, um they have to go about their business and be professionals. But I do know guys um that you come across like in a, any other profession that you're gonna have some black folks that look like us that ain't for us. And they and they they run their their um, agencies, if you will, uh, like that. Or if they're not in charge, like you, uh, Chief uh, Humphrey in, in Little Rock, Arkansas, and and you, Chief Green in in Oklahoma City, that if if they're not running an agency, they're in an agency acting doing the work of those I, I won't call them dirty those cop those white cops that shouldn't be cops in in the same uh, place. So that makes. Uh, to me, I'm 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 assuming that makes it even harder for you if you got to deal with these 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 dudes, these Clarence Thomas types dudes that really don't care about black and brown people, more specifically African Americans, Chief Humphrey. It does. Um, you and I tell you what happens with that, L.A. Uh, you have individuals that are afraid to step to stand up because they feel as though. Um, they will be targeted as radical, uh, that they will be targeted as not um, uh, one-sided. And at the end of the day, you know, you got to be a man or you got to be a woman. And when you see something wrong, you've got to talk about it. Uh, I've got a young man right now that is very, very becoming very, um, he's one, he's a millennial and he's a guy that he heard a lot about, police brutality and he heard a lot about what was going on during the civil rights era and he's done the research and asked the question and he's become a big advocate for standing up uh, uh, you know standing up to others in the department that that say things so when you have someone who may say something case in point uh, about Black Lives Matter being a terrorist group well Black Lives Matter is not a terrorist group even if we don't agree with everything Black Lives Matter does we understand the purpose of it, and so you, as as a, as a minority, as an African American male, African American female, when you hear these type of things going on or being said, it's incumbent upon you to stand up and and provide the, the facts. When someone says something about the Black Panthers, well, let's talk about how the Black Panthers and why they were uh, founded. Let's talk about the purpose of it. It, it. it basically they started the Black Panthers started more civic organizations and more programs than any other organization uh, in the uh, in the in the in the nation. That's just facts. And so when they start talking about the radical, well, what happened? Well, they they did become a little bit more stronger and a little bit more. I don't want to say radical. They were very protective of the African American communities. Why? Based on police brutality, which was even which was proven in the Kerner, Kerner Commission. So we don't have enough people standing up. What they will say is, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that person, or I don't want to get crossways, or I don't want to seem like I'm radical. Why? It's not radical when you're having factual conversation with somebody, or you're. We don't take a lot. Of, we don't utilize teaching moments, and, and and so that's just as bad. Not utilizing opportunities to teach. Uh, they're just standing back, not saying anything. They're both your complicity the way. 
Right. Either you're going to stand up and, and call that, that white cop out or that black cop that's falling in line and enable him, or you're going you're gonna to man up and woman up, like Chief Humphrey said. Chief Green, just to follow up with what he's saying, um, it, it, it seems as though that um, when when you have that, it's not just, I don't know, I'm just going by what I've read and going by you guys. It's, it's not just the fact that they're afraid to, to stand up, but in every um, profession, if you will, they feel like it's a, it's a uh, something at the end of the rainbow. They're gonna get some crumbs. They're gonna move up in rank. They'll be lieutenants. Then they'll be so and so and whatever. Then the FBI. Maybe that's part of it as a black individual that won't speak up and 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 speak out. Well, and I'll say this, LA. I think you know it, it's the culture of law enforcement is something that you know we've talked about with you. We talked about on our show, and the culture of law enforcement is 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 the root of the problem and the fact that black police officers, male or female are minorities in this profession. And I've said this before and I'll continue to say it is that this is one of the most, uh, you know, how they say on Sunday mornings, you know, that's the, one of the most segregated days uh, mm. of the week. Well, that's right. you know, law enforcement is one of the most segregated uh, workforces every day of the week. Yeah, because you just like you know you've got a family member who recently got on with a with a police department in what North Carolina. He may be what maybe five percent of that agency's uh, uh, you know the makeup of that agency. So you know when you have a an officer, male or female, who may be you know maybe you know a handful of them, or it may be twenty or thirty, they have heard just how. And then I'm going to kind of go back to how this whole process even started, L.A., that they – it took them forever to get into the police academy. Then they had to go through every single thing, background checks and people talking to their family and friends and teachers and all this other stuff to to dig up anything they could on this person's background. But then somewhere along the way, they may have talked to another – person who said, oh, man, I didn't have to go through that. You know, my my uncle knew so-and-so. Now, the process didn't even start out right. And so then they get into the academy and they're taught, this is the way you're supposed to talk. This is the way you're supposed to walk. This is the way you're supposed to do. And we're a brotherhood. And if you break that brotherhood, then you're not a part of us. So you got somebody who feels like, hey, you know, this is what I'd like to do. This is my career. And I guess maybe I'll just not say certain things, or if I see something, I'm not going to say anything. And I think that is the – I don't want no problems. Really, I don't want no problems. Yeah, I don't want no problems. I don't want no problems. And and so – and now it's like, well, I got got this job. I'm making some good money. I'm able to take care of my family. And then all of a sudden one day something happens where uh, you see this officer who does something, and you know it's totally wrong. And now you've got to make that decision if you're going to say anything and speak up. And if you don't speak up, then guess what? It's like, okay, well, now you just – so you're just one of us now. Well, man, hey, you're cool. But, again, don't let the first – if you let something just go by on the first fly, then you're going to have to accept the, the second thing that happens and the third and fourth thing that happens. But, you know, you know, one of the things – go ahead. 
I was going to say, you know, you guys don't have the luxury, if you will. Um, it, it, in my profession, I could tell them to F you and keep it moving and own my own stuff <laughs> and keep it moving. Y'all could do that when you retire or you'd have a, you know, a, a private detective agency or something like that, maybe, you know, whatever. But it, it's it's different. And you're serving the people. And the the sad thing about good law enforcement like yourself is that you have to deal with that on top of being mediators with domestic violence or you going to get some animal or something, something crazy that is not even in your job description. That's what makes it so sad and so disappointing. Um, I, I'm going to get to this section about this, this guy occupying the White House who wants uh, who's already said, well, he'll have sheriffs and law enforcement. I'm going to play that. I played it uh, to start the show. I'm going to play it because we've got a lot of new people listening of what the guy occupying the White House said. But it's really sad, guys, if you could quickly just comment on that in these two debates, one was, I don't know what that was with that guy. The second was with the, with the vice president and the candidate for vice presidency. Um, the, no talk about criminal reform. No talk about real um, connection between um, law enforcement, which like you said, Chief Green, is very minute when it comes to people who look like us. So the higher-ups don't look like us, is what basically you're saying, that there's that disconnect that nobody talks about. And and it's almost like you have, you have a one guy who doesn't give a damn about anybody. He hates blacks, whites, gays, straight, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. He occupying the White House, so he don't even count. His counterpart is a liar, and he's doing the work for him. Then you have a guy who's been in for 50 years who talks about law enforcement and 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 getting justice for black and brown people who get killed. I don't believe him. And then you have a prosecutor who's his vice president to be. Who didn't talk about it either? So nobody's talking about it. And in the meantime, y'all in the y'all in the grind, right? Y'all are y'all in the in the trenches dealing with this foolishness and this racism and all this hate and all this other stuff, which we'll get to. And and that's really sad, Chief Green, that nobody in these debates they're talking about COVID. God bless it. I understand it because it COVID kind of connects us all. So I'm not saying that. But they're talking about all this other stuff and who, who's you know, how many Supreme Court justices and all this other stuff, which if you take care of the business on the ground, then that justice reform will happen. But they're not talking about it because they don't give a damn about it because it more is black people, men and women dying on the streets and you all doing the best you can. Right. The good ones. Yeah. And so that, that's yeah. a that's a problem, Chief Green. That's a real issue that's not being addressed. Yeah. Well, and you know, last night, you know, we saw on the the VP debate, you know, the moderator asked a question to the vice president about, you know, uh Breonna Taylor, uh and he really danced around it. I think he may have mentioned her name, but he really didn't answer the question, and he mentioned something about George Floyd, and then he quickly turned and flipped everything to talk about the violent protesters and basically looked at the, you know, Camilla Harris is saying, you know, you're 
you're on the side of the violent protesters, and you you should be ashamed of yourself because you're a former, you know, federal prosecutor and a former DA. So he flipped it. He didn't really answer the question, but there wasn't any substance that he provided to the question he was asked about this young lady and how how everything unfolded with her. They, you know, instead of having that conversation, if, if there's some a very one percent level of, of of a concern about a black life because he didn't bring it up. The moderator had to bring it up. So uh, again, you're dealing with an administration who has not fully addressed the things that have happened with with everybody that's being killed by a police officer, and uh, they're not going to do it. But they want to deflect, and then they want to talk about how violent these protesters were, but LA, this is one here. You take a 17 year old kid who goes to another community to take it upon himself with others to supposedly protect private property. And it's almost like they have their, they've got just as much authority and power as the police officer does. And he shoots and kills two people and injures one. But you've got people who want to talk about, oh, well, he was just doing something to protect uh, this person's property. But you don't want to say anything about Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. Well, you're mentioning their names and you have this kind of persona of, well, you know, I feel sorry for the family and our prayers are, you know, for them. But what are you really talking about? You're not talking about any real criminal justice reform. It uh, making certain things mandate that these states will implement these certain type of policies. And and you're right. And I just got to text guys. And I, I just want to. I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna even respond to the dude. It's probably the same idiot that called your show or emailed your show the other day. You know, talking about you know, um, I'm hating on the police. And you know me, guys. So I'm not even gonna. Uh, well, no, you're not hating on the police. You know, not yeah. at all. And as you know, I love you guys, and I'm talking about the bad police. I'm not talking about the good police. But Chief Pumphrey, um, just speak to that to what Chief Green said because um, when you when you look at it again, and I'm even saying she's a former, you know, Senator Harris is a former prosecutor. There's issues with her as it relates to how she treated, you know, uh, civilian black men uh, and an arrest in the record. And I was surprised that the other side didn't even really go after that, but they don't have any sense anyway. But the point is, is that I, I think that this has been a political thing that's been tossed around. We love the police on one side and we hate the police on the other. And, and there's, there's, it can't be both. It's, it's, it's real people understand that we, especially in the black community, I want Chief Humphrey and his crew in, in my community. I just don't want the bad ones. We all need the police. We need the police. I just don't want no one coming in the neighborhood, putting a gun to my head or killing me or my friends and my family. It's that simple. It's, it's all political. It's either one side or the other. It's nothing in the middle for those who really get it and understand it. No, you know what, man? You're, you're right, man. These are just trying times for law enforcement in the nation as it is. And, 
you know, it's it's you know, I've even heard people say not in recent years, but when I was coming up, you got to pick a side. Either you're blue or you're black. But you you got to pick a side. Which one are you? And and so my thing is, number one, I said it before, my man, and 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 for our, you know, our female listeners, are are you are you a woman? You're an adult. You're 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 a person that's going to stand up for what's right. But don't ever forget that I am African American and that I have witnessed uh, a lot of the, a lot of injustices. I've been uh, afforded injustices. Uh, I should speak about that. And nobody know wants to talk about history, LA. We we've talked about this before. You know the gentleman, or you know that the guy that whomever it was that that, that uh, wrote the other day and, and who possibly the same person emailed you today has a problem. There are people that have problems with police chiefs uh, who look like me saying, talking about our history, talking about what we need to do to make things better, admitting that we can't do it overnight, admitting that we can do a better job. That's just facts. We're not pinpointing anybody out. We're not saying that every police officer, we're not saying every police department, but we just got to be honest. There are those individuals who could care less about the communities? That's just facts. There are those individuals that are doing this job just for a paycheck. And does that overshadow the good things that officers are doing? Absolutely. Because because as 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 a, as a police chief, I'm having to um, put stuff out there, good stuff that the officers are doing, the proactive stuff, the, the buying people's groceries, the taking people, to, the kids to school, the going to school and buying kids lunches, saving lives. I'm having to put that out there, but I'm not having to put, I'm not having to put this other stuff out there because other people are putting out there when they're seeing the excessive force, when they're seeing the, 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 uh, you know, African-Americans being uh, seriously hurt or killed. Those those stories, those type of stories do outweigh. Unfortunately, they do outweigh the the proactive and the positive things you're doing because of the history of law enforcement. And I've said yeah. this before, L.A. I've said this before, is that what what the minority communities are upset about is that we've been saying this for years that we've been treated like this. We've been saying this for years that law enforcement has been heavy handed. We've been saying this for years that in certain communities law enforcement is, is, is done differently and it takes a Trayvon Martin or it takes a George Floyd or it takes a Sandra Bland to be killed before you even start to bleed there may be a problem. So even though you see these, you still don't think it's a problem. So what's going to happen is we're going to protest to get our message across. Those are the kind of conversations we've got to start having in our police departments. We got to start having those those conversations. You know, um, I I love and respect you guys. I'm going to play this um, one minute, one minute and five seconds of uh, you guys played it on your show. I want to play it back because this is what um, the cycle in in the White House. That's me saying it. Uh, it said he wants to do. I do want to uh, check. Uh, once I go to this, I'm going to check. I have 803 and 704 area codes on the line. If you have a question, you can uh, or a comment. When I screen your call, um, you can let me know what you want to say. If you have a question or comment for uh, Chief Humphrey or Chief Green, uh, let me know. But we're going to go ahead and, and um, play this. 
for you. This is the uh, Bachelor News radio show. Law enforcement and attorneys general are some of the people that President Trump said he wants to send to poll locations for the upcoming election. During a phone interview on Fox News, Sean Hannity asked Trump how he planned to monitor voting in the name of guarding against voter fraud. Trump listed quite the lineup. We're going to have everything. We're going to have sheriffs and we're going to have law enforcement and we're going to have hopefully U.S. attorneys and we're going to have everybody in attorney general. CNN reports it's unclear if the president has the authority to do this, with Rick Hasen, an election expert at the University of California at Irvine, telling the outlet that the Trump campaign could hire off-duty police to monitor the polls. But President Trump wouldn't have authority to deploy local law enforcement. Still, the news outlet points out that the Trump campaign is recruiting tens of thousands of Republican volunteers for what they said could be their largest poll-watching operation. Trump's comments on sending attorneys and police to polls come after voting rights groups and some Democratic officials have said the president's previous comments, especially against mail-in ballots, are an attempt to suppress voters. Welcome back to the show. I just heard an excerpt from um, the crazy man with the... He was blessed by some new drug. He's cured. Um, and you're all going to get it. He's going to send all that free drug to you, but I digress sarcastically. Um, but, he, he, you know, Chief Green, Chief Humphrey, he talked about, um, you know, making sure that this election is legit. Nothing's going to happen. Uh, he's going to make sure of it. Um, aside from the politics, what does that do for your agencies, agencies across the country when they have to, Chief Humphrey, when they have to go and you have to extend all this extra manpower, which means the numbers go up, good for your, your, your guys and gals, because they're going to make overtime, right, if it was about that. But, but a lot of work that you could be doing, you know, grabbing drug dealers or murderers or child abusers or uh, domestic violence people, you got to go to these polls and cover it. Um, and it's a serious threat. We'll get into that in a minute. But but what does that do to your agency, Chief Humphrey? Well, I'll tell you what it's doing, uh, L.A. It's, 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 this is a perfect segue into, into uh, I wanted to talk about this. Uh, we are having local officials here in Little Rock and all through the nation uh, are having conferences uh, not conferences, but but uh, Zoom and and WebEx meetings to talk specifically right. about security concerns for elections, because it, it it appears that there's a perception out there, or there's been a push to make the the nation think that there's something wrong with the process that we have. Uh, this is the first time I've ever heard that it's uh, you know this talked about so much voter fraud, people not. Uh, living in areas voting and things like that. So what's happening is you're 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 building up tension in the nation. You're basically saying um, some people don't have the right to vote. Whether whether you're saying that directly, the subliminal message is there's something wrong with the voting system. You know the same system that my dad and my grandfather and 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 other you know ancestors uh, uh, were put in jail and were beaten. Uh, to get the right to do. So now you're saying there's a problem. And when you say there's a problem, then you start having people not wanting to not wanting to vote, and so which is going to cause tension. And I can tell you right now, L.A., what I've had to do, I've had to put my department on lockdown 
we're not allowing anybody to be off uh, starting the the weekend before the election up until the following Sunday because we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and then when you start talking about bringing in uh, National Guard, you start talking about bringing in federal agencies, uh, that 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 sends people that that make people that makes people panic. The, the fact that man, some what's going on here? What's really going on? You know, am, am I going to be shot when I go to the deal? Am I going to be beat up? Am I going to uh, somebody going to prevent me? So it, it it is putting a strain on our on, on on local law enforcement because we've never seen anything like this. We're treating this um, as if this was a uh, we're planning for some type of terrorist attack. I mean, we, that's what we're doing. I mean, we, we stay prepared, but it's the first time I've ever, uh, in my 30-some years of law enforcement, that I've ever heard of police departments being locked down on on Election Day or that people are worried about actual violence at polling. This is the first time I've, I've heard that. And it is very taxing on us, very taxing. Same question for you, Chief Green. I mean, it, I, I, it's just... It's got to be taxing. It's got to be you sleepless nights. All for um, I'm, I, I, you know, we know where the voice came from, but these are serious threats that your agencies have to deal with. Well, and, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna put this equation into it, LA, uh, with your listeners that, you know. When you talk about, you mentioned something about, hey, this would be great for the guys and men and women, you know, they'll get some overtime. Well, we're talking about overtime that has not been budgeted for. Uh, wow. Now, you as a as a chief or a sheriff, you've got to figure out where are you going to get, where, how is that money going to be paid for this overtime? Because guess what? The, the, unless there's been some, you know, grant money or something has been came down from the from the DOJ to municipalities uh, to pay for that, that's not money you're going to get from the Trump administration. So agencies are going to be pretty strapped when it comes to, yeah, they're going to have to pay this over time, but you're going to be looking at where is this money going? Where else can we take this money from to put it, to move it over here to pay for that over time? And then let's go back to, uh, you know, the big deal about people trying to, you know, the big, Everything about defunding the police. Well, now all of a sudden, when like an agency that uh, uh, Keith was at here in Oklahoma, Norman, they had almost a million dollars taken out of their budget. So can you imagine now you've got over eight hundred some thousand dollars that's not in your budget, and you've got to utilize overtime for certain things? Where is that money going to come from, and how is that going to impact? your other uh, core services that you're trying to provide to, to the city. Another thing, L.A., you've got this person sitting in the White House who planted the seed. He planted the seed several months ago about sending in these federal officers and having local police and even planting the seed about, oh, we'll just get hire off-duty officers. Well, that may be some coordinated effort that as police chiefs, you may not know that, hey, it may be somebody from a neighboring jurisdiction who is coming in over here to work in off-duty at a polling place. Now, do they know what the law says they can and cannot do? I mean, you may, you know, again, L.A., I've said this on our show, I've said it to you, police officers insert themselves in situations where they don't need to insert themselves in. 
So can you imagine a scenario? You got an officer, just hypothetically, he's work, he's at a polling place and he sees somebody that he's dealt with, and he he gets out and he goes up and he approaches this person. But this person is in line, has the right to vote. And next thing you know, well, I need to see your ID. Well, I'm not going to show you my ID. Well, yeah, you are. Well, I haven't committed a crime. So now all of a sudden, now you got other police officers who are coming. And that just disrupts the process of the voting process. So that's why you had uh, several states who have tried to implement legislation to prevent police and sheriff officers from being in any vicinity of the polling place. They don't even care if you, if the maybe it's the polling places is taken at a at a county location. They don't even want the sheriff's department to be at that county building because of the fact that it could potentially cause some type of disruption in the voting process. So there's a lot of other things that go into it, but that's the main thing. The seed was planted, and now everybody is dealing with how to mitigate this and how it's going to happen come November the 3rd and after, because I believe we're going to probably have more problems after and that night than what people uh, really probably would even can, can comprehend. You know, um, the folks got a lot of, of folks online um, just joining us. We're talking uh, with Chief Keith Humphrey and Chief Virgil Green, um, co-hosts of the show, You and the Law, that airs here on Blog Talk on Tuesday nights at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. And then the rebroadcast, if you doing something else at the crib, you can't make it, um, you can go to uh, our website, thebachelornews.airtime.pro, thebachelornews.airtime.pro, and you can catch the show at 4 a.m., not up that early. You can definitely catch it at at 6 p.m. Matter of fact, catch it at 6 p.m. every day, and then on Tuesday, you catch the live version at 7. So for 6, rebroadcast, 7 on Blog Talk, um, you can listen there. Um, Chief Humphrey, you know, to speak to the fine line you have to, to to walk as a chief, and you tell your your officers and people uh, on duty in in this this election, November third, even before that, in some cases, I'm sure. Fine line you have to walk where if someone's not violating someone's rights or violating a right of the city. In other words, they're not on, they're on private, they're not on private property, but they're yelling the N word or so. I mean that, and the fact that how deadly you brought up um, the fact that, you know, black lives matter or whatever you, you're a student and understanding of uh, policing, the history of black policing and, and the things that you guys have had to go through uh, in particular. So you understand it, but speak to also, these extreme racist groups that you have to deal with, that you talk with the FBI about, and how uh, the intel has to be right, and the fact that you have to be right, you have to juggle this, you know, keep their protect their rights, and you know you want to slap them upside the head, but you got to protect their rights anyway. Well, you have to go back to the fact that we have to as law enforcement. We we are the everybody's police department. No matter what we agree, if we agree with people or not, 
we still took an oath to protect everyone. Uh, we can't get we can't get emotionally involved. Uh, you know, because people ask me, how does it? You know, how do you do it? And that's my thing is, uh, you you basically real you basically understand that this is the job that you chose. You took an oath that you will uphold the law and protect everyone. Uh, but just real quick, though, Chief, I'm going to go over a little bit. But real quick, if they're spitting on you or your officer, they're throwing in bombs at your black officers. Again, you again explain the restraint that you have to have. Now, if they spit on you, that may be a, an arrest, I guess. But they're spitting in your direction, right. or they're calling you the nigger, or whatever the case may be. Uh, the, the restraint has to be there. You, if you're there, or your black officers. It, it really does, LA. And, and I'm telling you, that's why I say everyone can't do this job. And you're going to have those individuals, those officers that are going to, they're going to get emotional, and, and, and they're going to be those that are going to probably and, and that are going to react based on that. But you have more that understand the job and understand, I can't let this get next to me. It doesn't mean when they go in for the night, they're not cursing and they're not saying, hey, I would have done this or I would have done this. But at the time, we have to be professional. Uh, And we have to hold our people professional. And as the chief, I have to remind our officers, officers what their job is. No matter what, no matter what you think about people, this is our job. But you have to do that all the time, L.A. You can't wait until uh, a situation of a of a protest and potential civil unrest to, to remind the officers of what their duties are and what expectations are. But at the same time, you understand they are human, and you under, but you hope that they are able to maintain that professionalism. I will tell you, as a 30-some-year veteran of law enforcement, it is hard. It is hard to stand there and listen to someone call you names. It is difficult to stand there and someone throws water on you. You have no idea where it's coming from, so you may not be able to arrest that person for assault. But it is very difficult. It is very difficult when people get in front of you and taunt you and try to get you uh, to to hit them and, 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 and be unprofessional. It is difficult, and everyone can't do it. But some way, somehow, uh, the majority of the men and women out here are able to do it. Now, they, they, they get mad, they cry, and all this afterwards. But during those protests, it takes a special person to be able to stand up to that. And, 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 and I've said this before, as the chief, I have to set that tone, and I have to establish the rules of engagement, the, you know, the rules of this is what our expectations are, this is what I don't expect, this is what I expect, and, and you've got to continue to say that. You know, uh, Chief Green, uh, and I, I uh, Nick, I see you. We're going to get to you, sir, and I appreciate your patience. Uh, but, Chief Green, it, it, it talk about that and then um, the, the the fact that, listen, I, I, I understand that people want to talk about Antifa and all that, right? But the reality is a reality. You, you guys get a lot of, maybe not directives, Chief Green, but you get your intel and stuff. From the FBI, they put out the hate groups and the Proud Boys and all these other ones. I am not going to get into those names. So it is what it is. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to do the. They were bad on both sides, like the dude occupying the White House. I'm not going to do that. So you're getting these white supremacist groups that are, are getting telling you about this. So uh, to speak to how it works, the protocol, and what happens 
what happens if something happens? Civil unrest, the the Heather Heller, the Heather Heyer that happened in in Charlottesville. What happens when that happens? What do you do then? Well, you know, Ellie, one of the the main thing is is making sure that you uh, have got a a good partnership with with those federal agencies that are going to be there to assist you. Are there uh, because you know, they just can't come in and just take over, but they're there to assist you in in, in that operation. You know, I'm going to go back to something that, that broke earlier today, L.A., when you talk about these militia groups, these homegrown terrorists. Well, right. you know, the in breaking Michigan. news earlier today, yeah, the Michigan deal earlier today that I shared with you, that you've got a group of guys who were plotting to kidnap, kidnap, now, kidnap the governor of Michigan. Now, this was a group of, of, you know, whatever militia group they were with, Proud Boys or whatever, but this was a group who were definitely organizing, planning to kidnap this woman, the governor of Michigan, all because of what, how she took a stance on shutting her state down, mandating people wear a mask. You had militant groups who marched on, on the state capitol in Michigan, with guns, uh, conf- with guns, with guns, with guns, confronting state troopers with autom- with AR-15s and right up in front of their faces and, and just basically ignoring any of the laws whatsoever. And you've got a president who's saying this woman uh, doesn't need to be in office. So you've got people who hear this person say certain things, and he – he just sits back and he he's already put the narrative out there. He's put the seed out there. So he's going to see what these people go out and do because, you know, at the end of the day, he may say, well, you know, we've got an organization that, you know, will bail these people out of jail or whatever. Well, it's not directly tied to him, but it's directly tied to, to this campaign or the Republican party, or whatever. But when you have individuals who, are going to the extent in 2020 to kidnap a female governor, we have some serious problems. And for the good thing about that, you had the FBI, the state police, the local, everybody worked together, and you took five people in, in, into custody. So, Ella, it, we're living in, in a time in law enforcement when you've got these militant groups who – they feel like that they have the power because the highest power, the highest voice in the land is basically saying, you go ahead and you do it. Mm. Well, I'll say this. Uh, you, you're absolutely right, Chief Green. It, it, we are in some troubling times when uh, people are trying to kidnap governors. And it's not, I'm laughing to, to, for the sake of crying and, and going off. It's just really, that is, that really, is really weird. That is very, and, yeah. Right. And think, and think about this for the two of you as, as I close, uh, it, it, law enforcement has to beat the, the good ones, right? The good cops like you guys, the two, two chiefs, you have to be a political, you can't be involved in policy. You have to be able to do your job as chief Humphrey eloquently said, you got to put somebody call me in word is on and popping, but I'm a civilian. So 
though, and I'm a civilian, I can get in trouble. Y'all come arrest me. But the point is, is that you guys can't, you guys can't do that. You have to, and the FBI puts the, the report out. They send it to you guys. You have meetings, as Chief Humphrey's saying, all these Zoom meetings, getting ready for stuff, right, that shouldn't even be de- dealing with. You shouldn't be policing the polls. You should be going out to get the bad guys, which takes us to a whole other conversation, which I'm not going to go back to with the, the dude occupying the White House. But listen, I love you guys, and um, you please do be careful because uh, I know you have a job to do and at, at any moment, you know, we're always praying for you guys doing what you're doing, you and your families. Uh, as I always say, you keep your head down and protect yourself and keep your head up for what you're doing. And um, thank you so much. Hey, well, thank, thank you. you family, like, Appreciate you. Appreciate you. It's a You and the Law. It's a show that comes on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, with Chief Virgil Green, Chief Keith Humphrey. Uh, they're both African-American police chiefs, one in Little Rock, Arkansas, one in, in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And uh, we appreciate them. Uh, if you missed the show on Tuesdays, you can look at the rebroadcast of that broadcast on um, every day at 4 a.m. and uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to be adding some more time, too. But the, the rebroadcast is at thebachelornews.airtime.pro, thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Love those brothers, and we appreciate them. The, another brother coming up, we appreciate him uh, patiently waiting on the line, get to him and talk about the COVID-19 again. I said... The sport, what what are you doing? Sports is a microcosm of society. If COVID-19 is destroying everything else, why are you doing? Thank God the NBA is getting through it. They Maybe last game be Friday. But you seeing people getting infected and they passing it on to other people, other teams. It's all about the green. It has nothing to do with health. We'll talk about that in just a bit. It is the Bastion News Radio Show on the Bastion News Radio Network, WCOM, a good friend's a sister station in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Virgil Green and Chief Keith Humphrey. The show focuses on law enforcement and their relationship with the black community while letting you know your legal rights as a citizen when confronted by the police. Listen live every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com and the podcast every Monday through Sunday at 4 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern at thebachelornews.airtime.pro.
Welcome back to the show. Uncle L in the background. Never go wrong with LL Cool J. Need a roundaway homeboy. Got one on the line. Of course, he is the owner of Anastas Media and a play-by-play voice when COVID-19 goes away. Uh, the play-by-play voice there at UMass Lowell. He is Nick Anastas. And Nick, uh, what's shaking, bro? How are you doing? Enjoying the LL Cool J on the intro. It's good stuff. <laughs> I, 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 I have something better coming out. Something that a little more uh, connected. Not the roundaway girl. I have to find some roundaway something. So anyway, it was a nice beat for you. Anyway. It's a good song you play. <laughs> Either way. Uh, quickly, a couple of things I want to get out of the way. Before we kind of go to the COVID thing, to, to me, which is madness, um, it, it just with the NBA, you look at what uh, uh, the Lakers are doing, and, and, and most people thought if they got past the Clippers and the Clippers didn't even get there, that they would be the odds-off favorite. They probably were anyway, even – you know, with whoever they would have faced in the East. Miami just has no answers for, for Davis. He had, and I said before the season started, everybody can go back and listen to it. If Davis stays healthy, they win. He gets hurt like he normally has in the past um, with the Pelicans. Uh, they'll struggle, and maybe they can win. But I, I think they're on the brink. But talk about this series right now. Miami is – look, they just need – I think they need size. And one thing about it too, Nick, Three-point shooters, great three-point shooters like they have. They were really good in the, in the regular season. You notice in the playoffs, it just doesn't happen. It's tough to win a championship behind the three-point line, I think. I think that still applies. I mean, I know the Golden State Warriors would, would say differently, but uh, if you take a look at the three games in which Miami lost, they didn't shoot well from three-point line. Right. And they've been out rebounded. They've been out rebounded pretty much every game. I mean, you know, we know the Lakers have a huge size advantage almost at all five spots, and that's going to catch up and that's going to do damage. I mean, Miami's a small team. They they got to where they are basically in that zone, which threw the Celtics off. Um, you know, say what you want about Milwaukee, but but it just doesn't seem like the Bucks were as engaged as the Heat were in that series and. I think Miami caught him slipping a little bit. But on paper, this was Lakers in five, and I think that's what we're going to see tomorrow night. Just too much size, too much uh, star power on the other side, frankly. The two best players on the floor are both in green and uh, both in uh, gold and, and purple. So, you know, you didn't really have to do a whole lot of thinking in this one. All the telltale signs going into the series – we're pointing towards the Lakers, and through the first four games, that's pretty much panned out. I mean, outside of a bananas game by Jimmy Butler in game three, this thing could be over already. Yeah, and uh, just two quick points uh, regarding um, the NBA Finals. I think Eric Spolstra, over the, the years, have learned to coach. Like, I think he outcoached Boston, um, and – and he's learning. And I remember back when he was with, when LeBron came there, he was talking about uh, going through the motion or the message or something he was saying. And he was a rookie guy. Now he seems like even in a 3-1, you, you 3-1 with LeBron and Anthony Davis. So, um, you know, there, there, there's no shame in that. But I think he's learned. Uh, talk about that. And then the Celtics, listen, uh I thought the Celtics were the more talented team, 
I know Orlando will go chime in. More talented team, um, certainly deep. But I, I think, and it's not on Tatum because Tatum played great. I think they just, they just, I think they got out coached. That's my opinion. And I just think that when Tatum takes that next level, he's going to will them to win. Even when they struggle on the offensive end or the heat coming out, now he's going to, he's going to take that next step, and he's going to be that bird guy or that Paul Pierce that's going to be that that money guy, it, it, you know, on the line. Just give me – go on, get on my shoulders, and I'm going to take us to the promised land. Well, let's start with, with Spolstra. He was a Pat Riley hand-picked guy to right. succeed Pat Riley. So that, that shows you the confidence from the early get-go that, that the Heat organization and that Pat Riley himself had in Spolstra. And I think with LeBron on the squad in his early years on the job, it was necessary for him to kind of be in the background. It was necessary, I feel like, for him to kind of keep his mouth shut at times and just let the guys figure it out on the floor, especially with those three names. you got the biggest name in the world there and then two other household names in Wade and Bosch. There's no room, frankly, for another name. So I, I, think, I think really you needed that kind of, uh, low-key personality in order to make that thing work. And, right. you know, some say they only won two, but you know what? They went to the finals all four years LeBron was there. Um, you know, frankly, I think it was LeBron who needed a year to figure out his role in Miami, and that cost them that 2011 finals against Dallas. Uh, LeBron was too conscious, in my opinion, of, of – stepping on Dwayne Wade's toes and, you know, he wasn't really sure if this is my team or is it Dwayne's. And as a result in that finals, there were whole stretches of games where you weren't even sure if LeBron James was on the floor. That's how passive he was in 2011. So it it took LeBron a while to figure out what his role was in Miami. And I think it took Sprostra uh, even longer. Now, now post LeBron, you know, they had had to rebuild. I mean, they, they got old very quickly with both D-Wade and Bosch getting injured. And, you know, they, they hit the reset button as recently as last summer. They didn't make the playoffs last year. A lot of people, you know, keep forgetting that. So he's maximized the roster. He, he won with a small roster, not a very deep roster. Uh, guys that, that, you know, we're buzzing about now, you know, those names, Drachik and um, Hero and, and those guys, we weren't talking about them at the start of this playoff. Right. So, you know, you, you got to give the devil his due, so to speak. I mean, Spolstra for a long time was criticized. Oh, you know, he's nothing without LeBron, blah, blah, blah. I think I think that narrative has been put to rest. Uh, and, in fact, this posting, we're going to look back on it and say, you know, Spolstra did do a pretty darn good job with what he had. And as far as the Celtics go, Tatum, yeah, he's he's a star. He's good, all that. But he is not anywhere near where he can be in that at times it it feels like he's got to move the basketball and he doesn't Um, too much one-on-one sometimes too much over dribbling gets him in trouble. Um, And again, it's expected because he's only 22, 23 years old, but at some point you talk about making that next step. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be moving the basketball and, 
you know, trusting in your teammates a little bit. I mean, how many times do we hear that over the course of the last dance, right, where, where it was Jordan, 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 and then Jordan himself says, you know what, at, at times i got to trust my teammates. I think Tatum at times needs to make that extra pass, needs to cut down on the dribbling, and just kind of play within the game and let the game come to himself. I think that's the next step for him personally and, and likely the next step for the Celtics as well. And I think uh, Kimball Walker, UConn, my man, uh, struggled. And I think he got inside his own head um, in in a couple of those games. It, it, it doesn't say it cost him, but he didn't play as well. Just final question before I go to Orlando and talk about the COVID stuff. Uh, you look at LeBron, you and I and, and T and Orlando, we talked about this before the season. The fact that whoever wins this this series, it, it's going to have the asterisk regardless. You know, this is COVID-19. So the season was short. The NBA got it right. They put themselves in the bubble. But LeBron is on the brink of winning his fourth title, right? Is it four or three? Three or four? I'm, I'm the Either one, four, right? Be his fourth title, right? So, so it, it, I I don't get it. It, Are they going to, if they take anything away from LeBron, is it going to be because of his political prowess? You know, he calls out the president, he calls out this and that. Uh, He's been talking about uh, Breonna Taylor and everything else. A lot of stuff has happened in 2020 because of COVID 19. Is it going to be about that? Was it going to be about the fact that LeBron is the basketball better version, if you will, of A-Rod? You either like him or you don't. Black, white, whoever. People don't like him. Oh, he's not He's not Jordan. He's not this. He's not that. So is it because of his political stance that he may not get all the credit um, or just COVID-19 and people just not liking LeBron? I think if anyone has if put an asterisk next to this, it's, it's as you said, going to be one of two things. One, either they don't like LeBron, so therefore you're not going to convince them no matter what you say. Or two, they're going to say, well, it was in the bubble. And my counter to that is, well, everybody was in the bubble. Nobody, right. had, home, nobody had home floor advantage. And, in fact, if anybody was going to be helped out by the home floor advantage, it would have been the Lakers because they had the best overall record. So to me that this whole narrative is easily combative because everybody was on the same plane. You know, you still had to win four games in the postseason to win the series. And again, you know, the cut down on the travel and the lack of home court advantage again is universal. So, you know, with me an asterisk is only necessary if, you know, somehow it was tainted. Somehow it was unfair, like a scandal with the 1919 White Sox, like a scandal with the 2017 Astros. You know, there's an asterisk there because it was it was not fair. This was fair. It was universal. It was league-wide. And for anybody to try and diminish what the Lakers have done, I, I just don't see that argument making sense. Yeah, listen, I, I love LeBron, especially of his stuff off the court. Um, uh, I don't love him in that Laker uniform because the, the Lakers broke my heart as a Sixer fan. But as I bring in another Sixer fan, um, but, yeah, I, I, I think it's, you know, I bring in Orlando Hughes, who uh, 
is the owner of KRSB Radio in Philly, and I and I I just feel like you know the Lakers winning this, it's legit for LeBron Orlando as you you come in and and speak to uh to Nick. I, I think it's legit because as Nick said, and I think it's a great point. Everybody was under the same bubble. There was no advantage for anybody at this point. No, was no no advantage for anyone. And good evening to you both. Um, but, however, as all three of us know, there are entire networks that are built upon LeBron James. Like, people have made careers for the past 15 years, speaking of the man, uh, good, bad, and indifferent. So, um, kind of sad, because I kind of want Nick's boys to stay as king of the hill as far as championships, but the Lakers will tie the Celtics uh, with the 17th title. Um, and for LeBron, he's going to be one of a handful of players to win a championship in three different for three different teams, um, which is astounding. Um, uh, unfortunately for, for me, I, this this matchup with the Heat, as Nick said, it was on paper. It was a five to one, I mean four to one series, um, and that's exactly what it's going to end up being. Miami doesn't have any size, um, uh, and, and they have the best coach on the floor, but they just don't have the size to match up with Davis. And you look at how the Lakers are guarding Miami. I mean, they're switching Howard out on him. They're, they're switching McGee out on him. You know, AD plays uh, uh, Jimmy Butler at times. They're, they're too big. They're too big. But your original question, congratulations to LeBron when he when he does win it, but there will be the pundits that we don't need to give any credit to that will be talking about him that this jaded. And no one talks about the Spurs' first championship was in an NBA short in 1998 season uh, in San Antonio uh, and when they came off the strike seat. That strike where it was only 50 games in the playoffs that year. Everyone seems to forget that. I remember it very well. It was 1999. And <laughs> 99? Okay, I said 98. Yeah. Just to give you an idea the uh, how wild that postseason was, the Knicks went all the way to the finals as an eight seed that year. Right, right, right. With, yeah, with yeah. Sprewell and Allen Houston. So, um, you know, right. No, nobody, nobody is saying that that title comes with an asterisk. Nobody. Right. And that, as you, right. you said, is a lot shorter than the regular season that was played this year. So right. I, I, right. I don't think in the long term that, that, that this is going to hurt LeBron or that that narrative is going to survive in the long term. Because, right. again, there's, right. no real, there's no real truth to it. There's no right. advantage yeah. gained. If anything, again, the Lakers, who would have benefited the most from home court advantage, won it anyway in the end. So, right. you know, so, so again, it, it may catch some buzz. You know, the, the haters may crawl out from under the rock for, you know, a month or so. But, but long term, uh, there's not going to be an asterisk when talking about this thing, not with LeBron. Right. You're exactly right, Nick. Like, if people are talking about now um, how easy the pass was, that the pass is easy for a number of teams that have won titles in, in various sports. Uh, per the years, like when the Phillies won in 08, you know, to have the Tampa Bay Rays reach the World Series over over your socks was a miracle. Like, so you, you play who's in front of you, and that's that's who you right. have to play. So I don't, I don't, 
you know, begrudge any team that wins because you are the the kings and queens of your particular sport for that year, which is a major accomplishment. You set out a goal in the preseason. You made that. You reached your goal, uh, and that's a major accomplishment. I don't think we should take that away from professional athletes at, at all. Exactly, because then we start really just nitpicking. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. Then it turns then it turns into which team had the easier had the easier path. And as right. you said, it, it's littered with examples in any sport in any year. You know, right. it, it, that's why we have playoffs. That's why we have right. playoffs. You know, so uh, again, these are shallow, thin arguments on the other side. Um, that ultimately won't stand the test of time when it comes to LeBron's legacy. Right. Talking, talking with Nick uh, Anastas from Anastas Media, Orlando Hughes, of KRSB Radio, on um, in Philadelphia on the Bassett News Radio Show. Um, Nick, I think. Let me just make sure I have uh, T Max should be. Make sure I get him on here. Uh, not yet. Let me ask you this question, Nick. Um, with uh, COVID nineteen, this is the thing that you and I were talking about, and Lando and and T. That the NBA, the NHL, baseball, uh, football, the NFL, of course, the college sports, were taking a risk, and. To me, and I know T felt the same way, and he'll be on in a minute, it's going to take somebody to die. Because when you look at, okay, again, the NBA, God love them, they did a bubble thing, they got through it. You see Tampa Bay Lightning won, the NHL, they got through it. They made it. But we see um, issues in college sports. Um, the 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 basketball will be starting, uh, you know the the college football has been up and down. And Pac ten is going, Pac twelve is going to do it, not going to do it. Now they're going to do it. And the Big Ten is saying so on, so forth. And now you have which makes absolute no sense health wise, but makes a lot of sense in terms of money. The NFL, where you have, and I don't know if I text you, I, I, I meant to. You got a Cam Newton that gets infected. So if he's infected, somebody else on the team is infected. Same thing with Kansas City. They're supposed to play each other. We're not even talking about Tennessee and all that. So you got to keep Cam out and still play the game. Now we find out, and I know he said it was, uh, um, you know, it's it's not as bad in terms of. Uh, uh, you have the defensive player of the year. The name has escaped me. You know, uh, in terms of the fact that he Gilmore. he's tested positive. Gilmore, Stephen Gilmore, Stephon Gilmore. That the the fact that he tested positive again, even if it's not as bad as some's kind of spreading. And what the few that we know, and we're not even doctors. What the scientists and the doctors are saying that you know they don't know enough to know that you have these gatherings in the first place. And you still have teams that are already having fans at the game. You had Gilmore talking directly, uh, animatedly um, to Pat Mahomes after the game, so you don't know if he's spreading it that way. It just makes absolute no sense. The fact is that if if, if Tom Terrific goes down, 
That's it. That's a wrap, Nick. If Captain Captain America goes down, then they got to shut it down because he is the face of football. He's the face of the NFL. He goes down. They need to shut it down. So talk about this. I, I, I understand why they're doing it because they print money. But in the long run, you can print more if you take your time, do it responsibly, or don't do it at all. Okay, let me play Joe's advocate just for a second. What does what does do it responsibly look like? Because if you ask the NFL, they say we are doing it responsibly. We're having these guys tested, and the only way that they're coming back into the fold is if they clear, what is it, three or four tests in a row, like like Newton is about to do. So Okay, if, so then – if, Well, you, if you're asking well, well, me, I can answer it. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Well, no, that, that, as, that, the NFL's, that, that would be the, the equivalent of the NFL's answer. I mean, that right. this, is, this is the protocol we came up with. You know, Cam has now gone through. He can return. I, I mean, there's not much else they can do from an option standpoint other than just bag the whole thing. So, you know, it's almost a question of what else can we do for you is what is trying to convey. You know, right? I, I mean, right? Because that because there isn't much more they can do. I mean, it's all about the test, 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 right? Test and quarantine, test and quarantine. Those are the two big buzzwords we've heard the last six months, and that's what the NFL has adopted. And they have how many players on active rosters? Almost two thousand, and we're talking about a handful of guys who have been sick, or not even sick, just have tested positive with no symptoms. So if you're the NFL, again, what more do you, are you expected to do specifically? Well, it, the, the bottom line is that's it. Uh, if the NFL and sports is a microcosm of uh, society, society in particular, this particular uh, a climate, well, we only have 210,000 people dead out of 300 million, so what's the big deal? And so sell that to the people who died and the families that are going through it. So at some point, there have, people have to look themselves in the mirror. And I'm not saying the NFL is one of them. So my answer to you is, is two, twofold. Um, you could not play, which they're going to play. Or you could play and have this foolishness where people are getting sick. And the fact is that um, even if it's testing – and testing and testing, and we already know with more testing, they still get sick because two things are happening. Athletes are not being responsible, so I hold them accountable, just like people in normal society are not being responsible, right? And then the second part of it is, um, okay, well, it was Cam, uh, but this is Patriots Chiefs. We got to get this game on for ratings so Cam can sit out, Patriots still good, and we'll just have this game. And, uh, uh, again, where do you draw the line? Like, uh, these fans that it, 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 that have no sense of understanding. It's almost like, to a lesser degree, um, I'm a Yankee fan, but I'm not a Yankee fan in New York. So I'm not saying the Yankee – I don't want to see Yankee Red Sox all the time because – I'm a Yankee. Just because I'm a Yankee fan, I need to hype them up all the time. It's just it's 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 really a standpoint where you look yourself in the mirror. Sports or not, Nick, for me, um, that 
these these guys are getting sick, and they're bringing it home to their babies and their families. I'm not going to do it. Now, I'm not an athlete. I'm not an NFL player. Um, but at some point, if I was a chief and I heard Cam got sick, I wasn't playing. not going to play. I'm not going to play. If I'm single, yeah, whatever. If I got a family, I'm not playing the game. It's, it's, the risks are too big, but it, it really falls on the seismic of where you are. Do you believe that this thing is really deadly? Not you in particular, but do you believe this thing is that deadly? Or do you think it's like the flu and uh, it'll just pass? Now, what happens if it's answer B? What happens if, as an owner or as a player, I believe that this has been exploited for political reasons and isn't as deadly as portrayed? Then what? Then I'm not allowed to make a living? I'm not allowed to strap it up and play on the field because someone else has a different understanding of the situation and might not want to go out and play? The difference well, is, no, is a personal. No, no, I'm saying it's a personal. It's a personal choice, Nick. It's a personal choice. If I'm an athlete and I want to play because I want to feed my family, then I'm going to play. I got to look myself in the mirror. Owners print money. They did. I mean, whatever. You lose the season, you're still rich. I mean, we know this, Nick. Come on now. You know the worst team in the league is making money, so they have no bet, no say in this battle. It's really on the players to make that decision. You know, we, we hey, know that, but about, owners print money. Okay, so, and I said, right, so, okay, so you you decide, you got a family, you want to do this and jeopardize your family or you play. That's the decision I'm, I'm making. My point is the owners don't look at it. it okay, it's Cam, so what? Uh, well, we're pushing to the side. New England, you're still going to play this game against the Chiefs. Then you get to the players deciding – do I want to play and risk this type of situation? That's what it is. Owners print money. NFL is printing money. They have no say in this whole virus thing because they're going okay. to do whatever they're going to All do right. at Hold the on. bottom line. Hold on. I hear, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. It's not the owners who are out on the field. Correct. I, I understand that. I'm talking about the players. And let, let's, let's take the, the pros out of it. How about, how about the high school players? who aren't feeding their families, who aren't uh, making a paycheck, who want to go out for the joy of the sport and may or may not believe in every single thing the media has said about this virus. Maybe they have their own opinion about it and that maybe they think that they, okay, I don't think it's that big of a risk. In fact, I don't think it's bigger risk than the flu if you're under 50 and healthy. So there are people who have different opinions other than Let's go ahead and just cancel the whole season. Some people well, and I never. Some people think I understand this is it. Way overblown and exploited. So if and it's I up understand to the players, it it then becomes on the players to either come up with a uniform position, which is tough to do, as we know, or leave it up to the individual choice. If you don't want to play, then don't play. But it shouldn't impact whether or not I want to play. Same thing with the viewers. If you don't want to sit in the right. stadium, why can't, why shouldn't I be allowed to go and risk? If, if you want to go, you jeopardize or risk or whatever adjective you want to use. Why, as my choice, am I not allowed to do that? And that's what this whole thing boils down to, LA. That's bigger than sports. It's what's going on in the country now. 
at what point does liberty and freedom have, have any kind of bearance on what's going on versus do we just blindly subscribe to what is being told to us? And that is okay, ultimately so- what's going to be asked next month, next year, and most likely this next decade. This is going to be a battle that transcends sports. And this sports okay, thing and, is and that's a microcosm so- of that. And I and I agree with you. And I'm going to bring T Mac in, in in a second. So I got two answers for you. First of all, if you're in high school, uh, my kids are 12 and 14. My my 14 year old is going to high school. He doesn't have any say in what I decide. That's in the best sense for him. When he gets old enough, he can make that decision. But if you're in high school, you 17, you don't get to make that decision unless people want to change the laws. Make it 16, 17, that's fine. That's the law. So there, there's that part. The second part is that's fine. You don't have to believe in that. But guess what? I do. I don't want to be around you not wearing masks and taking precautions. Because if you do, and I believe that's dangerous, I don't need to be around it. So it, it is a personal choice. I don't want I don't want my kids. See, I have kids. You don't, and I'm not making it personal. I have kids. I don't want my kids exposed to it. Plain and simple. If it's a hoax, then guess what? It's the biggest hoax in the world. But guess what? I want my kids to see me as a. I want to see them grow up, so I can see their grand their kids, and I have grandkids. I'm not going to take the chance to do that. And there are a lot of people that actually play in the NFL with kids that don't want to do it, but because the pressure and because the NFL, you know, if you got a million dollar contract, 200,000 is real. The rest is on toilet paper that they're going to play. And it's an unfair situation. They're not speaking up right. some of them right. because they have, they, they got a ball. They got a ball. And I, I'm not even talking about the whole the, the bigger political side, what I'm saying to you is that when you brought up high school, you know, these are not grown people. They're high schoolers. And as long as they're high schoolers, in particular, like I said, with my kids, I'm, I get the, I'm the, the father. I get to say, when you get grown enough, you want to go and run free and naked down the street, that's your, that's your prerogative. Until then, high schoolers, you have to adhere to what we say. And so... You have two different things here. You have the high schoolers, and then you have those players who decide they want to do it. Uh, I, like I said, if it's if it's if people don't agree with it, then that's fine. I, I'm I'm t- I'm totally with you. It's it's a personal choice, but I'm not going to be in anybody's stadium as a reporter or a father or anything else. I'm not going to do it. Uh, T-Mac, uh your your thoughts. Good evening to you, sir. Uh, I I. I came in completely late in on this. I'm just trying. Um, That's okay. What, no, we were talking what, about the COVID-19 what, and, you know, uh, 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 Cam getting infected and the Patriots still playing against the Chiefs. Chiefs have somebody affected and somebody's affected somebody else. And, and it goes on and on. And, and I agree with, uh, with uh, Nick in terms of personal preference. Like if you don't want to do it, you don't have to you know, isolate yourself or whatever. But I think the the owners have nothing to say with say to this other than they they want you to play. It's the, it's the players. I think Nick and I agree on it. Like yeah. if they want to play or not, at this point, it's it's really on them because the owners are right. you know we're gonna print money. We're gonna print money either either way. 
Don't play, right. play, whatever. You know. The the thing the thing see the thing with this it's not it's not it's not a clear cut cut and dry sort of deal here because um uh truth be told I guess the NFL gave the majority well gave the all the players there was a drop dead date uh for um for the plat I wanna say it was um early August to that if you did not want to play but you still would retain your salary for the year. Uh and and I think um I think all told it wound up being like about seventy five or so players. As a matter of fact, ironically the Patriots have the most players who backed off, backed out. Uh, I believe it was like right. uh, matter of fact, the uh, you know the significant ones, you know, Hightower. Uh, I think um, you know, Chung. You know, a lot of their guys, you know, yeah, Chung and everything. Other teams had other players, and the ones who are probably caught in the middle of all of this are all the first year players, and that's including the draft picks and the free agents because, you know, there was no camp. So it's not like there was a, like, you know, if you were to sign, if you were a free agent, if you signed a free agent contract this year with whomever, you know, you didn't have the four games to go out there and show your wares. So that's why this whole thing is a mess because, yeah, they basically start. You know, there was no preseason. There was literally very, you know, not a regular training camp. And remember, there was no OT. You know, there were no OTAs as well because you know this 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 is going back to what, was, what are we talking about? March. Late February, right. early March. So yeah, so right. so the league as a whole was shut down. So all this, all that being said, look, you know. Everybody knew that the NFL was gonna gonna try to put stuff out here this year. And when they got through the first three weeks, they sort of got cocky in a sense. You know, like you know, and then reality set set in and it's still setting in. And, 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 and it's gonna set in even more because of the nature of the sport. If if the if, if the NFL thought that they that they would go through this season without any uh, major COVID, they're idiots. You know, say what you want. The NBA, the, NF- the NHL, did it right because of the bubble. When you when you insist on still playing in all these cities and not in a bubble, this is what's going to happen. You saw what happened with baseball. The fact that baseball got through it and they're in there and they're in a bubble, you know. It says a lot for, for, you know, how they were able to do it. Now, let's be honest. The, con, you know, contact baseball-wise and contact football-wise, that's a whole different McGilla. That's a whole different McGilla. You know, people, you know, people are trying to somewhat beat up um, Mahomes for a, 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 post, uh, a post-game hug. Man, that's small potatoes, for Christ's sake. There's guys snotting and burping and and – you know, whatever. And that's the and that's the thing, guys. It it that's the thing. Like they are going to they're gonna be athletes. They're gonna do that. They're gonna hug and did so I mean so it it has to be some kind of understanding there, um in, in that regard too. No, there won't be. No, but look, 
the look the league the league wanted the the, the league was going to play hell or high water this year. There was I, I, I'll say it like I said before. Until when when a player drops graveyard dead, then they'll be like, well maybe we should not play. No, no. It's it, it, the thing is, look, you saw. You saw how the um, Big Ten basically bullied their own freaking commissioner into playing this year. And those kids, and when, and I hate to say it, when one of those kids dies, that's the, the, the blood will be on all of their parents' hands. When? Let me. I, think this. I say when, because someone along the way here, and I don't, and see, People can poo-poo it, but how in the, you know, show me how you fake 200,000 deaths. If you, can, if, you can, if you can convince me of that, go right on. 200,000 deaths. Yeah. Let, let me ask her, uh, and I'm going to go to Nick, Nick uh, in a second, but let me ask Orlando. Um, you know, the, the one thing I, I noticed um, in the NBA um, is that the for the most part you're gonna get the upsets anyway? Denver was certainly uh, playing like people forget they were a high seed anyway, but they did what they did and ran into the Lakers. The Lakers just you know LeBron and Anthony Davis is is phenomenal, but but for the most part uh, you're seeing now in the finals that the cream is rise to the crop. Um, in baseball, you see. Um, it, it, it's been different. Um, the uh, you know you got teams that are losing that you didn't expect. I I thought one Chicago team would be a little further along. They neither one are there, right? My Yankees are down. So, do you think that the lack of uh, fans has played into this as it relates to COVID nineteen, Orlando? In other words, that the, that the cream is really rising to crop. And that maybe we under or, or have we underestimated the fan experience, the fan, the home field, you know, uh, even if they're playing on home court, they're changing jerseys and all this kind of stuff. Uh, are we underestimating how powerful the fans can be in these atmospheres for the home teams? Well, sure we are. <laughs> sure. You see it in the first couple of weeks in the NFL. I mean, you've had the Rams have been to the East Coast twice. Uh, the 49ers actually stayed on the East Coast. Uh, San Francisco has been on the East Coast twice, going to Atlanta, and then several weeks later they displayed in Miami. Um, so if, if I'm playing in that environment and I don't have any hostility as far as fans are concerned, the advantage is, the advantage is to the teams. So Jared Goff is not getting pressured by the Eagles fans when he came here in week two. You know, so in, in Pittsburgh, like, they're going to put 5,000 people on the sands this week, you know, with the interstate battle. Uh, but that, that whole fan experience of what's what, with the exception of Kansas City and the two teams in Texas, there are no fans in the stadiums. So the advantage is there is no advantage. There is no advantage. Um, and, and it's missing for the playoff basketball. It, it showed. Like, it's, it's you don't have that, the you know, Staples Center going crazy. You don't have Denver going crazy at the Pepsi Cola Center, if it's still a Pepsi Cola Center, if not, I'm misquoting it. But so 
it, it played into a factor. Like, the Sixers and Celtics, that first game match, that first round matchup, you don't have TD Garden and, and, you know, the center going crazy because it's the mere, it's that rivalry between cities, not, not only just teams. So, yeah, it, it's played a part, and that's why I can't get into it as much as I would like to because it just, it just doesn't seem the same. Like Milwaukee you know, was completely thrown off because they get their energy from that 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 crazy fan club up there in in, in Milwaukee. Like, but but but, but Orlando, but but Orlando, but Orlando, Seattle's four and zero playing advocate. I mean, they don't have their twelfth man. They play at home. But they're four. They're four, but and, they're oh. four and zero. Oh, but they're four and zero. Oh, but they've taken. So Seattle had to come east twice already in in four weeks, right? and play in front of a quiet stadium. Just like the advantages for them playing in Seattle, but they had the advantage of coming playing Atlanta in front of an empty stadium. And the Falcons, although they got probably the second-worst coach in football, they didn't have that advantage of a home crowd. Like, see, so you've got to give it up to that, – that home crowd plays an effect. West Coast teams right. coming east playing a 1 o'clock game, that's always been a problem, always been a problem. Matter of fact, matter of right, fact, so Seattle, that, Seattle has probably been the one team that has been affected by the most because over, I think I think basically since Russell Wilson's been there, counting postseason, they've played about 15, basically 10, 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific uh, time games. Games, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You look, you look, you look it up, and 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 and, they, and and again going into this season, they got another five because. As even though they have been a, a staple over the years, they're still not looked upon as one of the big boys. And remember, yeah. they've, won, they've been they've been a super they've been a Super Bowl contender basically since Russell Wilson's been there. But they basically treat them like the Tampa Bay Rays. And I'm going to come back to the word Tampa in a second. Uh, and Nick, uh, before you go out to, to wrap up, and I'm going to go back to T in Orlando as 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 you go. Um, uh, what about that? We talked about all. We all talked about this whole. Uh, is the game going to even be attractive watching it with no no fans in the, in the stadium? I don't know what the numbers are, um, and the fact that you know. A lot of players, it's like WWE. They pull off the the, the energy of the crowd. Is, is that is that a problem, or is that a disadvantage, advantage for home or, or away? And then the second part of it is, um, when you look at uh, to get your thoughts on the, the game at the time of this broadcast with with, with Tampa and Chicago, um, you know, is is this Tampa team? Really, for real, and by the way, Gronk hadn't done diddly squat. And and I understand that T said you didn't have all the practices and stuff, but he's not getting open at all. I don't know if Father Time caught up to him more than Brady or not, but you speak to him as well. Uh, And his Patriots team being uh, literally could be 4 0 at this point. All right, real quick, Orlando, who is a worse coach than Dan Quinn? Because I can't think of one. <laughs> I mean, how Wait a minute, you caught me, I... you caught me drinking, my, drinking my juice. <laughs> I almost spit it out. That's all right. <clears throat> it, it happens to be that guy in Dallas. He, he's, he's the worst coach than Dan Quinn. 
how Dan Quinn is – he hasn't been fired yet, right? I, I know O'Brien – No, no, no he should have been fired with Bill O'Brien. He should have. He should have been, been quite, quite fired after Captain America came back on them uh, uh, several right. years, a few years ago. He should have been fired then. How how he still has a job is, is beyond me. But anyway um, – you threw a lot at me there, L.A. Which uh, which question do you want me to answer first, Patriots? <laughs> I mean, the, the the fact is that, you know, there are no fans. I mean, there are some fans now that gradually, oh, but even right. before that, yeah. Is that an advantage or disadvantage for the home or the away team? Oh, it definitely hurts the home team, for sure. I mean, if you look at the numbers, it's, it's, it's north of 75% of home teams win across the board in any sport uh, at any level. So it, that that's that hurts the the home team for sure, and I think it plays to uh, to Orlando's point, uh, or um, uh, when they're talking about Seattle. Um, you know, and, and then meanwhile you got these gorgeous, brand new, multi-billion-dollar stadiums that are just sitting there empty, which screams you know abnormal at the top of its lungs. It's just, it's still kind of surreal for me, honestly. Yeah, even, me even too. Me too. Even yeah. a month in, just you know, when they come with these beautiful wide sweeping camera shots, and there's just thousands and thousands of empty seats, it it it, it just it it makes it snaps me right back to reality, frankly. And sports used to be a way to get away from the day to day grind, to get away from the day to day stresses, and now it's just a, it's you know it's a constant reminder. I think. Um, I'll give the networks credit. I I think it's been better than I thought it would be. Um, you know, given the crowd, the artificial crowd noise, I guess you know numbs it a little bit as a viewer. Um, but but there's there's absolutely no replacement for the home field, the home field advantage, the home crowd, the cookouts, the tailgates. The uh, you know even if you're not going to the game you might be going out of the bar you know with a couple of your friends and watching it all that has been put on pause this year and it still screams abnormal to me as a viewer mm. and as a fan. Patriots uh, should be four zero. Um, the, the the way they played um, a lot of concerns about that defense. You can speak about because I. I don't see the same defense, and I think it has to do with um, it. It seems like matchups because you know it, it's not like the Patriots aren't scoring points or running the ball and doing it different. They're still scoring. Um, they even moved the ball against Kansas City. Defense played well there. Speak of that, and then you know again Tampa with you know their success and winning three in a row. Have been for Gronk, and I, if I'm a Patriot fan, if I'm a Gronk fan, I might be concerned about that. Yeah. Well, let's start with the Pats' defense and highlight what we spoke on earlier, what T spoke on, in that you're losing two starters right off the bat, two of your better players on defense due to opting out because of COVID, in Patrick Chung and and Hightower. Uh, add that on top that they lost another two starters to free agency, another three, excuse me. And you're talking now you've only got six guys on paper from a starting unit of 11 from a year ago. That's off the bat. Um, 
you know, throwing the pa- throwing the fact that they didn't have a superior pass rush to begin with. Uh, I think that's been exposed a little bit. I know Chase Winovich has stepped up and deserves to be praised. He's been good. But I just don't know if they have enough rushing the passer, at least with, with, with four only, with four down linemen. Um, you know, linebacker depth was another question mark. And, you know, they're asking Stephon Gilmore to be the best shutdown corner on every play. And that's a lot to ask for a guy. You know, he draws the right. toughest assignment. It's usually, uh, you know, face coverage, uh, shadow coverage, whatever. And, you know, when you're lined up against a guy 37, 40, 45, 50, 60 times in a game, that other world-class athlete is going to beat you on one or two. And it's the question, can you take advantage of that? We saw Seattle do that with Metcalf. Um, you know, so – I don't know. I think they're thin everywhere at all three levels. I do, or at least thin in comparison to where they were a year ago. Um, and it's starting to show up a little bit on the scoreboard. So that, that I think is, is their concern moving forward. Cause they've been able to move the ball uh, on right. the offensive side. It, it's been ground yep. and pound as we expected. It's been dink and dunk as we expected. Even Hoyer. I know he made two horrific mistakes, the fumbles, but I'll be, take those two plays out. He was moving the ball just fine as well. Um, and, and, you know, Cam will be back, and, and Cam adds a whole other dimension as well. So they'll put up points, as you mentioned. The main concern, I think, is the depth on defense. And as far as Gronk goes, I'll give him a pass for now, uh, given that he was, you know, had a year off, given there was no preseason, given he's on another team. You know, uh, he's still got open a couple times, I think, in the red zone. He might have caught one out of bounds or whatever. I think I think he, he kind of – picks up the speed as the season goes on. I, I would say the jury's still out on Gronk. Yeah. You can't change speed, though. That's the only thing. And, uh, right. you know, uh, right. he can get open, but it, he just seems slower to me. And not that a big tight end is going to be fast. It, it just it, it doesn't seem like I'm watching him, uh, but we will see. He's Nick has always be been a star. Hold on, LA. He's not going to be a star. He's just there to be a piece. I think he's just happy to be playing again. He's happy to be playing with Brady. He's still a big third tackle bare minimum, kind of like Dallas used Jason Witten in his later years. So th- there's a role for guys like that, but he's not going to be, you know, the all-pro tight end that we saw in New England. That's not going to happen. Well, then I, I mean, and I respect that, but then I, I, I know why he came back. I don't know why Tampa signed up. If, if he's just going to be just uh you know, fill in guy and kind of blend in and not be They've a grunt. They've got another good tight end, though. They've got another good tight end in O.J. Howard, you know. Right, he just got yeah, hurt. Yeah, I think he, I think he, I think he's on IR, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, all right. Well, I didn't see that. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. Nick, listen, man, I appreciate the extra time. Thank you so much for the conversation, the uh, banter. The insight, we appreciate you, man. We'll talk with you next week, man. You be careful, okay? Be safe. Yeah, I owed you at least another half hour. You let me slide after I skated out last week, so I appreciate it. Amen. All right, so checks in the mail. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Good stuff. Thanks, (laughs) all Appreciate you, Nick. Nick Anastas, of course, from Anastas Media and play-by-play voice of UMass uh, uh, Lowell. Uh, Big O, uh, T-Mac. I want to go back to 
this understanding um, or or lack thereof of of, of the the whole uh, lack thereof a bubble and a bubble. Like I think to T's credit, like he's been saying, like NHL, NBA, they got it right, they got it right, they got it right. T, been saying that. And I don't think the lack of fans has affected anything. Like, I think in retrospect with those two leagues, I think they got it right. Like, Tampa, Tampa Bay was a great team. Like, they, you know, they, they're probably going to win it anyway. Um, so I don't think that affected it. But I do, to Orlando's point, T, do believe, and I'm sure you do, that it is something about the 12th man in Seattle. Like, you can't hear you gotta you gotta make up accounts and do different things when you go to Seattle, or you go to Pittsburgh, or you go to Dallas or other places, Philly, where it's gonna be loud and crazy. There's no loud and crazy. They can pump all the, the noise that they can to into the stadiums, but it's not the same. And I think that it's going to, in the end, uh, hurt some of the top teams the ones that are maybe not as solid uh, in the NFL in particular, uh, in the playoffs. It's a a factor. It's it's, it's definitely a factor. I I think, matter of fact, I I said last week, I don't know, you know, it's hard to say who misses each other more, the fans missing the players or the players missing the fans. I think it's a mutual – I think it's clearly – a mutual of, you know, they, 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 the whole, the heart, you know, was, what's the phrase, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I think it definitely entails that with all the sports, you know, bubble or no bubble. The real, I think the thing that um, people are sort of sleeping on, and, and, I, and I was sort of reintroduced to this today, um, there's a, there's a media, there's a sports media site called Sports, uh, uh, sportsmediawatch.com. You know, they deal with a lot with ratings and trends and everything else. What would you guess since the since COVID uh, hit? What would you guess to being the most watched non-NFL sporting event since March? Since you going wild like that, maybe the WWE or something crazy or something no, non-sport. No, no, okay. No. Soccer, I don't know. The Kentucky Derby. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Of the top of the top five watched uh, non NFL sporting events since um, basically since um, March 11th to uh, since this past Tuesday. Number five was the first episode of The Last Dance. Number four, the NBA Finals, basically, basically from four, three, and two, number four was NBA Finals game two, number three was NBA Finals game one, and number two wow. was NBA Finals game four. Uh, now, the, um, uh, the last dance drew six, a little over six, mil, uh, six million viewers. NBA Finals game two, six mil, million viewers. Uh, games four and four and one seven million viewers, and the Derby, uh, nine nine mil. 
But see, here's the difference. And here's how <laughs> the much Derby was way ahead too, though. By the way, it's ahead by five million. Here. Wow. But see, but see, but see, here's the rub. <laughs> now, if you had to guess those same numbers last year, what do you think was the most watched non-NFL event <laughs> going by last year? Don't know. Actually, it was the N- it was the NCAA men's championship, national championship game. But see, here's the difference. As we said, the Kentucky Derby drew nine, you know, nine million. NBA, uh, the um, NCAA championship game, nineteen mil, almost twenty mil. Wow. The thing, the thing that I'm, the thing, you know, what COVID, the COVID effect to me. And, I, and I've said it several times on several shows. Early on, when sports came back, people were like, "Oh, great! There's a ball game on." So, when NHL, you know, NHL was basically the first ones to come back, so they had good ratings those first couple of nights. Then it bottomed out. Then basketball started, and again, big ratings. You know, the first night, then they bottomed out. Now baseball. Big ratings, a couple of days, and they plummeted. Matter of fact, there is no of the top twenty non of the top twenty non NFL sporting events since March and October. There is not one baseball event on that. Matter of fact, even last year, from um, in, the, in that same time period from last year. No baseball, no no national baseball game is on the, the list for the most uh, watched non-NFL sporting events. You've got the NBA, you've got the Women's World Cup, you've got the Derby again, uh, the, women, the, the Men's Final Four, uh, the Masters, uh, um, the, North, the, the Notre Dame-Georgia game, and various... NCAA rounds, uh, the Final Four, the um, whatever. But baseball is not in either top 20 list this year or last year. That's a whole other story in and of itself, but I just wanted to make that be said. But basically, what what has happened with COVID, and I think this, and, and again, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not really earth-shattering. People, you know, people realize that there are other things in life other than sports. It's still, it's still important. It's still whatever, but people, the only people who really are, you know, dying hard with, with this are the very ones who are, who have a stake in this. That's, you know, it was very interesting today, I guess, uh, uh, either today or yesterday, Adam Silver had his State of the NBA speech, and he basically said, you know, oh, when we come back next year, you know, the Black Lives Matter stuff won't be on the court. We're going to get rid of the um, the, um, the the jerseys with the um, slogans in the background, and I'm not surprised. But again, it speaks to this was all a money grab. It still is, and always, and and, and, it, and it is. The real, 
the real proof is going to be when, if there is a quote-unquote normal to come back from. Now, again, very, you know, at the, at the risk of being long-winded, NBA, NHL, for the, like I said, they got it right. Baseball, they got through it. They survived. And, you know, and, and, you know, barring whatever, they'll, they'll get through it. Now, the NFL, being the stubborn, money-grubbing, greedy-ass bastards that we know that they are to be, they're not even considering a bubble until possibly the playoffs. But they got to get there. And, see, their getting there is going to be tougher than baseball because of the physical nature of the sport. They, you know, the schedule has already been, you know, the schedule has already been uh, kicked around enough. You know, there's going to be a Tuesday game next week. Uh, there's another extra Monday night game, and they're already talking about um, having an 18th week, just so they just, you know, just to cover themselves in case there's more, or should I say, when there's another outbreak. Basically, I said I, I said all that to um, say. This was a money. We all we knew this was a money grab from day one. Nothing, nothing that has happened on or off the field has done anything to change that. <clears throat> no, nothing else to add with that one, Hawaii. No, I mean I, I was going to say the team makes a great point about you know it, it is a money grab. Um, um, but we and, and we know. I, I, I'm not gonna get into people who um, look at DraftKings and all that. Um, but it is a money grab, and so if it's a money grab, again, it, it's a personal choice, which goes back to this whole notion of how we look at this COVID-19. And the way we look at this COVID-19, at least for me, I know T, I know you have kids, um, as a personal choice. So we're not, we're not, you know, going up to play in the NFL or the NBA or anything. Um, but it's a societal thing, right? It's a everyday thing. So it really goes back to, the players and making the decisions that they want to make um, and looking at it from a long-term perspective. Do you buy that? Like they, they need to look at their situations. The, is oh, it I a parental thing? Is it a, it I, can't I, be a parental thing. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It can't be a parental thing because, um, you know, we, th- there are people who have, you know, nieces and nephews, but they don't have kids, but they, you say don't have a direct connect with that, but it's certainly a personal thing that people need to look at. Athletes need I, to look I at. Think, I, think, I, think, I think, I I think many of them have. We just, it hasn't been publicized as much. I mean, uh, I know uh, the, 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 the kid for the Giants, uh, Buster Posey, his wife was expecting. They had just adopted a kid as well. He basically said, "No, thank you. I'm not doing this." And you know, right. Mike, Mike, Mike Trout. You know, you know, we all know the situation. His wife was expecting. He actually left and came back. 
there have been other situations. They're just not being publicized. But see, again, a lot of that has to do, again, with the fact of, 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 of how this is being, of how this, this, this tale is being spinned. You know, again, a, a smarter man, a, a, a mutual colleague of all three of us, um, Fred Witted, always has said we have to tell our own stories. And, in, right. and, and especially in something like this, where the narrative literally changes by the, by the hour, this is, this is going to be one. I think the thing, let's put it this way. I think there are a lot of more, I think there are a lot more uh, quote unquote professional athletes that have stepped back. It's just that their, their stories haven't been told because they, because the mainstream white media can't spin it in a sense. There's a lot of I, so, I think there's been a lot of, I think and I think that and I think the other story that people I, I, again I go back to how these Big Ten parents bullied the the commissioner of the Big Ten into playing football this year. Now mm-hmm. you know if that had been the former commissioner uh, Jim Delaney, a white man. Would they would they have done the same thing as opposed to a black? Not at all. Not at all. Exactly. Exactly. And see, that's that's a to me that's a story in and of itself because when a Big Ten football player drops graveyard dead this year, guess who does it? It's gonna fall back on them. That's right. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. But see, and see, and see again. My thing is, throw out the, you know, and, and, and hear me out. Maybe I'm, you know, I don't think I'm being naive or whatever when I say this. Throw out the political stuff. Just on, just on a regular level. Because, see, if you want to politicize, look, it's already been politicized to the point where, where you know, we see, I'll just, in, in lieu of doing another two hours, You'll see how far the folks in D.C. are willing to push the narrative in regards to this. That being said, you've got you've got these pro leagues that have tried to push a, a, a certain narrative. Um, we knew from day one the NFL was going to put out products, good, better, and different. Remember. This is the same people that gave you scab football. So, you know, oh, we could put, you know, scab football, no, you know, or, or, or a pandemic, no problem. Some players will die. You know, if they, they, they all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they turn into, all, all of a sudden, they turn into Ivan Drago from Rocky, Rocky Four. If he dies, he dies. Well, and, and to to that point, Orlando, as I. I wasn't trying to, you know, whatever. You're going to go there, I'm going to take it there. And the, 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 the point is, is that, you know, when um, I, don't Nick, I don't know if Nick was saying it personal, but regardless of that, is that um, 
society is looking at this, okay, 300 million people in this country, we're only losing 200,000, 210. The numbers are good. So, and, and, and that's how the NFL, to, to, to both of your points, is looking at it. It's like, okay, whatever. We lose a couple of guys, no big deal. But Orlando, to Tony's point, like he said, he's right. We knew what the narrative was going to be, um, uh, and we knew even the college narrative was going to be. Um, the, the, the point is now is, you know, where are those who are going to or should they be speaking out at all at this point? And if they are, I guess they're getting suppressed. As T T said, they they they're speaking out. They're getting suppressed because the narrative for the mainstream is, you know, these these um these uh, sports are going to take place, you know, hell or high water. <laughs> it was one thing COVID demonstrated. It was really the lack of a need for sports. Like T said this before, it's not a it's not relevant anymore. Like it's not being covered the way that it should. It's it's not relevant. Like everything in this world right now is about Trump and 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 about the old other old white men who look like both of the old white guys from the Muppets. That's who they are. That's right. That's right. Thank you. (laughs) Appreciate. That's right. Um, No, no, appreciate. That's right. Absolutely. And in Orlando, to your point, real quick, I mean, real quick, when they go, well, you had, uh, you just voted for the dude because he was black. Okay, we got 45 other, okay, what are you saying? We got 45 other instances that we can point to politically uh, about voting for somebody on the, on the, the basis of their color. Uh, I mean, really, it's just ridiculous how. And we allow them to to spend that narrative. We do. Right. Right. And, and, and like, you know I'm not a fan of, of, of Miss Harris. All right? But I got to defend her because she has to compose herself because she will be perceived as the angry black woman. Right? And That's she's right. not even completely yep. black. So she had to compose herself. But what's going on in the world? And all these people, oh, you got to vote, vote. Your vote doesn't count if you don't have a platform. What do you want? So who are you voting for? So regardless if you're voting for Trump or you vote for the other idiot, uh, actually idiot one or idiot two, as I should say, I shouldn't call them by their names because they're both idiots. What what are you voting for? What do you want? What do you need in your life? What do you need um, uh, um, for people who look like you, who have the same interests as you? Like, no one's saying that, right? What's important in this country right now? Like, so forget this COVID thing. Forget these two jackasses that are running. So should we make Puerto Rico a state? Should we make Washington, D.C. a state? Like, did we forget about the poor people in Guam, right? Because they, they, most of them people there, they fight in the military, uh, although they may not look like Americans, but they're Americans as well. Like, why are we still in 2021? Asking if these three territories should be states. They should be states. They should be states, right? Why, 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 why are these Congress people and these senators 
uh, uh, not trying to put laws in place so your ass has to leave the office at age 65. Everyone else is forced to retire. You can't fly an airplane after 65. You can still be a pilot. But you can't be a commercial pilot. Why can't you put that in, in, in the law? Why, why does Ruth Gator Ginsburg die at 80-something years old? Why is she still in, why is she still in the Supreme Court? Why? Why? Yeah. We need yeah. to put age limits on our stuff, right? But they don't want to do that. They don't want to do that. Biden, 47 years. Dude, I, I'm 47 years old. Like, see, you've been in the office since I've been there. You haven't done shit in all that time. In the immortal words of Richard Pryor, you ain't done shit. And, oh, and did, did, you it's, know it's, what? It's a game, yeah. brother. It's a game that's being played. And, and, and right. I know sports. And God knows, love my sports. But it's like our HBCUs aren't playing this year. And guess what? Uh, I miss uh, homecoming. But, but uh, we don't but, need we don't need. But sports. think about but think about this, guys. Think about this. It's it's two parts of this. Number one, you get. Um, Based on economics, based on race, you get me, you, and T, and we can watch some other shit, excuse my language, and be cool and not have sports in our life. Like, we either got our lives or whatever. We, I'm, I'm a law and order dude. I've been watching law and order and see Chicago PD, whatever. So we can do that. You get the other side. And they losing it. And they not only losing it, they want it. And they got to have you know, it. And they got to have it what? in the stadium and everything but, else, too, T. But you know what? It's, it's not, it's not, but see, that number is not as, 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 as those ratings are reflective of. It is many. It's not really as many. I, I think there's more, I think there's more of us watching uh, what's what's the what's what's the HBO show with 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 Smollett's um, sister on there, the witchcraft thing or whatever the hell they call it? I forget what it's called. Right, but I see. I think that we look. They lord. They lord. They people up, and they gotta have their sports. We can live without it. We can go to the Negro League YouTube and do that, and we be oh, fine. Oh, you yeah, know what I mean? But, but, but see, but see, but, but, but what I'm, I, I I agree with you. But see, what I'm saying is, I think. I think uh, folks that have similar that, that that are similar to what we're doing, I think the numbers are more. Matter of fact, I would tend to think that that's the majority. I think it's more. I I I, I truly think. I'll go on a little bit of a limb. I'll say we say Orlando about sixty forty. Uh, forty percent are watching sports. Yeah, yeah. I think it's about yeah. a sixty forty break, and see. And you know, I have been. I, w- I was saying it when the you know the first early weeks of the pandemic, all through it, and even you know, am I look? Have I been watching the baseball playoffs? Yes. Have I been watching the NFL? Yes. But have I been doing other things? Oh yes. And, and see, I think you know, again, the small majority. There's oh look. You are going to have your diehards. You are going to have your degenerate gamblers that will bet on two roaches trying to get, you know, you know, tr- mm-hmm. tr- trying to get the last whatever. They're always going to be around. The diehards are always going to be there. People who live and die baseball, people who live and die hockey, people who live and die basketball, 
people who live and die football, they're always going to be there. But the thing is, their numbers have dwindled, and their numbers are getting even more dwindled. Because, see, the last three weeks have basically been something we've never seen before. All four major sports are going on. Now, now we've always had that, like, week or so in October where they all come, come you know, uh, sort of, they, you know, um, emerge, where all four sports are going on. But see, this time, they were all going on, and they were of significant note. You had basically two playoffs going on, the end of one regular season, and the beginning of another. So, and it was for not just a week or a handful of days. It was going on for basically all the month of 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 September. Basically, mm-hmm. September September was something we've never seen before. There was, I mean, there was literally a night where if you are a quote unquote sports fan, do I watch the hockey playoffs tonight? Do I watch the NFL? Do I watch the NBA playoffs? Or do I watch Major League Baseball? Or I was going to know, the the WNBA and college football. That's, but let you know, me let me let me ask this and say let me ask this and say this to both of you because I think I I really do I really do believe hear me out that is cultural because I can watch Law and Order but guess what I could be texting Tony back and forth about the nostalgia of the playoffs in baseball. So I can watch, I've been watching baseball. I watched the Seattle uh, uh, Storm win the, the WNBA. I haven't even watched it, the, the NBA. I watched some football. So I think culturally, I think we are smart enough and culturally enough to be well-rounded to love sports and do what we need to do. What my point was is that, to both of you, is that they lowered it up. It's got to be this. It's got to be that. They have to support, whether they're betting or not. That's why you get into these debates where the fans are there and the, the mask and stuff. And we like, we just trying to survive. And, oh, by the way, I want to see the Yankees beat Tampa. You know what I mean? That's the, but, I think that's where we are but, no, but, as but a culture. But see, but, see, but, my, but see, my point is, you know, we agree. But, see, the thing is, I don't I think that there are more people like us now because of COVID. And I think COVID has been a part of that. Because, again, I go back to what I was saying. Early on, when the NHL first came back, good ratings bottomed out. NBA comes back on the scene. Good ratings opening night, bottoms out. Baseball, good ratings opening night, bottoms out. Even the NFL. The NFL numbers are down just from last year. And, and, see, and see, remember, the NFL's arrogance is that all we got to do is just be out there and we'll do okay. Now, look, they're always right. going to lord it up. That, that, that's, a, that's a given. I mean, look, they, you know, they, they, you know, they were basically trying to sell you uh, an Edsel last week with uh, a couple weeks ago with uh, the Bengals and the Browns, and there's and there's Bengals and Browns fans that don't want to watch that damn game. But see, that's but the beyond. Once you get past 
it's, it's, it's again, and, and, and just hear me out for a sec. I zone out, I, I zone out uh, the, 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 the fat man in, uh, at 1600. Unless he's declaring war, I could care less about what he does. Now, yes, I did sit down and watch the debate, and my biggest regret is I'll never get the, that hour and a half of my life back ever again. That was the biggest takeaway that I got got from that. I wanted to. I was, <laughs> I, was, That's I, right. I, I was being a due diligent, you know, voter or conscientious, whatever. But that being that being said, I think the I, again, I think the majority of the I think a lot more than we give credit for. People could give a damn about what the Houston Astros is doing. I think if yeah, somebody, that, I, 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 think, I think if someone asks, hey, uh, isn't that great about uh, Tampa finally coming through and winning the Stanley Cup? Huh? And right. like tonight, uh, somebody tonight, uh, somebody at work today, hey, uh, is the NBA Finals is, is the NBA Finals over? <laughs> wow. Like, oh yeah, but see, again. Again, I and see the good and bad thing. Cause see, look, I'm not gonna look. I'm not gonna be that person. You know, you know, you know how you had all those folks that oh, 9/11 brought this country together. 9/11 brought this country together. Yeah, right. Um, I'm not gonna be the. I'm not gonna be one of oh, COVID brought this country together. COVID may put things in perspective. If you needed 200,000 people dying to put things in perspective. Allow me to uninsert your head from your ass, basically. But right. again, yeah, we're all look, all of us here collectively sports fans. We all have our favorite sports, but we're, but you know, you know, we're all, but see, again, we know we know we can live without watching sports, but also I think the I think the see how all these sports are bought. Oh, how all these sports survive, they don't survive on us. They survive on the non-traditional or, or, or that non-diehard sports fan. And the geeky clearly, guy, yep. Clearly, clear, clearly, the, clearly the, the non-sports fan, male or female, doesn't give a damn. And reflectively, these ratings that – it's been and see, it's been a gradual effect. I feel this is not something that's just happened over. This has been a gradual effect. COVID, if anything, COVID just probably just pushed it over the edge a little bit more. But no, I think this has been a collective thing, and I think it's going to be a while before you really do get those crazy. Because because again, you just compare right. you just compare from this year to last year. I mean that you yeah. know. Nine, nine, nine million view, nine million viewers, as opposed to almost twenty million. That, that's that's half. I mean, that's literally cut in half. That's the right. that's you know, if there's if there's ever a story that that that's literally not being talked about, it's this. Right, and I and I I I, I do want to get Orlando in. The fact is that it, the, to to Tony's point, a few things. Number one, I think the NBA. 
is uh, uh, less than 1%, the NFL's 1%, or the, the opposite in terms of who gets drafted, who makes it to the league. Um, you could just look at your local sports in Philly, New Haven, or here, that, you know, the sports gets a, a minute and a half of that in terms of rebroadcast. So it, I, I, I get that. I, I'm not – I'm just not so sure about how – White folks are the, the drivers that they they need, they crave to have their sports by any means necessary. We had a conversation, as you heard earlier on the broadcast, that, you know, yeah, okay, we'll have a mask. And some of you don't want to wear a mask and all that. I think a lot of that is white-driven. I think black folks get it. I don't think white people get it the way they need to get it. Um, but, Orlando, with, with with that being said, um, I I got I, I did the show um, Monday and a couple of other shows before that in regards to again I think the three of us have already talked about how HBCUs okay tone it down you don't need to be trying to play or anything or thinking about that because of uh, uh, all the numbers that go into it or lack thereof with HBCUs, and get some feedback and people saying, you know, you're being a little hard or whatever the case may be. But there have been situations where Orlando, there, there that uh, HBCUs, some uh, that are in these, these uh, uh, PWIs that want to try to follow those lines. And the, the, at the end of the day, uh, we've had uh, one situation in, in, in Florida where there was a, it, you know, um, people got infected. Now they're backtracking and trying to do something different. And I, I think that needs to be, uh, again, mentioned because we, we don't have Alabama money. Uh, and, oh, by the way, Alabama's one of the two states um, that actually hasn't seen an increase. So you know what the, t- the tide definitely going to roll now um, in Alabama. But they don't we don't have Alabama money. And so we need to be we need to be conscious and, and strategic and critical and, and careful of how we do things. And I think that some of us some of us of that elk, some of us that are are that the three of us know, um are itching, Orlando, to, to get started. We talk about it off air, but to get started in these in these arenas that we don't have we have no business trying to get started with as it relates to trying to get started with sports. We just don't people everyone's a slave to the dollar. Um it just a matter it matters to what degree you are. All of these HBCUs are money-driven institutions. Um, they're, they're trying to compete. Um, and they're trying to compete utilizing uh, methods that, as you say, with the exception of just a few PWIs that are making, like, printing money, and there's a few universities that print their own money, but everyone else is still starving. Everyone else is struggling. And, and we, we don't get that. Um, when it comes to sports, um, actually, I, I'll retract that. 
when people start to wake up and understand what's going on, there won't be a need for those daytime uh, sport sports comms, as I say, because they're like sitcoms during the day that that bring sports. <clears throat> the rest mainstream America is so thirsting for sports that you have shows on the NFL Network, on Fox Philly One, or on the NBA Network, ESPN One, Two, Three, Ten, Six, Seven, and Eleven, all talk about the same damn thing. The same damn thing, LA. Yeah. And people are still buying it. People are buying it. LeBron James. LeBron what? Who cares about LeBron? LeBron is a, it is a rare exception that invests over a million dollars of his own money to take care of his body. He's taking care of his 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 uh um his family. He he's put his boys up. So he's the rarest of rare blues. Yep. Yep. The rarest of rare blues, right? Then it's like, give me a break. Like, I, I'm I'm tired of the mouse telling me what I should watch. That uh, I'm here in Philadelphia, right? And I'm supposed to be interested in Baker and Mayfield in Cleveland playing somebody, Joe Burrows, in Cincinnati. What the hell do I care about that here in Philadelphia for? What the What do I care? What do I care about the Dallas Cowboys, right, who hasn't won anything since I was in college, right? I've been out of school 20-plus years and change. I was going to say, that's a long time, boy. Right, 20-plus right. years and change, right? <laughs> so, so, so. I got radio broadcasts from 2000 that are on cassette tape that my kids laugh at. So the Cowboys, you know they're on VH1. I mean, VHS tapes. Yeah. Like, what do we care? So they they were selling the same narrative, America's team. America's nothing. If anything, the Patriots are America's team. The Packers are America's oh. team. The Steelers are America's team. But the Cowboys are not. Like, so I don't even care about that. Like, like it's 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 a shame that people have such voids in their lives that they need sports to the magnitude that they need sports. It's a shame because folks aren't worried about taking care of themselves. They're all worried about dumb politics, and, and people don't follow politics. They they follow the theatrics of what politics are. But this is but not you politics. know the, 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 this is the great the, the great thing. Hang on, quick, Alex. Hang on, real yep, quick. Yep, yep. The greatest country ahead, in the world, right? We're the greatest country in the world, right? But a country like Pakistan and, and, and countries over in the so-called Middle East, which is an oxymoron itself, have had female presidents. Female presidents. But the greatest country in the land, I love America, God bless America, and no place else, like head of state, right? <laughs> can't, can't get a president, right? A, a female president. Can't get a president... You can't find one viable 45 to 60-year-old man or, man or woman to become president, right? It's still the same political BS that you got a 78-year-old man and a 74-year-old animal running against each other. But, it. you know, I, yeah, and I, I guess, too, that we'll wrap up um, uh, T. 
to, to uh, I hear what Orlando said to to Nick's point, right? Though we can go back in nostalgia, right? So we we can put that political side and talk about Bob Gibson, right? And how great he was, and talk about the gangs. Even if we weren't there, we're all you know Bob Gibson way ahead of our time. Yeah. We can talk about it and feel good and get a little break. So that's what sports supposed to be. Uh, in a sense, now we know what happened in '68. We know about Jim Brown and and Kareem, and we know all of it. But at the end of the day, though, if we don't want to deal with the animal, as Orlando eloquently said in the office, or the older guy, we could talk about Bob Gibson or or any player, uh, Tom Seaver, and and have this nostalgia moment. And and get away from it. That's what it's supposed to be about. But it, it's it's not that now. And my point is again is that the, the some the, the the white folks are taking it and they're using it to a political thing and and bringing it into another place. We get it. We can we can compartmentalize that. We can take it here and put it here and use it where we need to use it, as opposed to making it into, well, Trump said this, so we're going to, you know, we ain't going to wear the mask and we're going to take it into sports. I just want to like to see the Yankees win or the Steelers win, you know, at at some point. I want to get away from that. And if we get it, they don't, is my point. And you know what? Thoughts and prayers to them. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers to him. That's that's how I, you know, no. Nah, thoughts and prayers to him. I've, I've, you know, folks that you know don't want to do the whole mask thing. You know, I'll sing at your wedding and dance at your funeral. I guess. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't. Um, we, you know, if 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 I'm going to be branded as whatever because I'm going to take care of of uh, me and my own. That's right. Thoughts and prayers to you. That's your right. Own. That's right. Take care of my own. That's right. Yeah. No, no. I believe it. You like y'all better be grateful for tea in LA. Thoughts and prayers. I'm not saying Jack. Well, 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 see, in the in the in the in the in my in my translation, I am saying the same two words. I know. I know you are. Oh yeah. I know you are. I know you are, brother. You better be glad you. You're even dressing it up for him. I'm not dressing up, you dumb. Oh yeah, yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. And that, and see, and see, what's what's so funny is, you know, again the mobilization of because see, whether you know whether he wins or loses, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be you know to paraphrase the woman from CNN, it's gonna be a shit show either way. Hey, thank mm-hmm. you. It's going it's to gonna be, be hell to pay. Way. Either way, it's, it's going to be hell to pay. Yep. You know, it's just it's yep. just a matter of it's just a matter of the level of 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 of, of what happened. That animal did what he was supposed to do, right? He did what he was supposed to do. He's appointed over two hundred judges. Two hundred judges, more than anybody has appointed. In over forty years, and not at the not at the um, 
the the level of right before it goes to the Supreme Court that look like us. Zero. What? Zero. Oh, oh no. 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 But then the narrative gets asked by the media and they don't say anything. Are you gonna stack the house in your favor? Um, what does that mean? Like you haven't appointed nobody. No what is America to you people? Like white people, what do you want from this country because you have everything in this country. You are like a beast that is being hunted and you know you're going to be extinct because they're doing everything out of desperation. All right. And I think too, I, I think too, there's a, there's a distinct difference between T and I have been talking. I, I, AJ Happ should, that never entered New York ever again. And that's a whole different oh, oh, now, we've been oh, having this conversation. Oh, 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 well no, oh, we've been oh, having this conversation. Oh, oh, T oh, you know, come on. Well they ain't man? the same they ain't the same. I'm sorry, they ain't the same. But anyway, as a Yankee fan. But my point is that we can have that conversation, right? About okay, boom, boom, boom. But when we talk about what just Orlando said in some of our our, our, our uh, spaces and conversations with other people that don't get it, they want to divert to something. They want to go to another conversation. They don't want to talk about the animal in the White House that only that that did this only, and with only, no black people only, looking at. But see, but see, only only when it fits their needs. Because see, here's the thing, and, and I, I I think I said this on your show before, but I just like um. And I and see I I hate to get but 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 I think I guess in a sense no it is right. Tim, give me some for a quick second. When you hear when you know, think of the last conversation and I and 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 again I use the words loosely conversation you had with a with a trumpet or a trump trumpeter. You never talk policy. You never talk about well he did this. They never say well he did this. He did this. He put so many jobs here. He did. The, he. It's your every. The narrative is always defending what he has said. It's never about policy. It's never about. It's always defending what he says. And that just speaks volumes because again, he could. You know, again, he literally could uh, declare war. On South Korea tomorrow, and people would be like, "What an ingenious move!" Now, when a hundred thousand more people get killed, they will still say the same thing. And that, and see, therein lies the there, therein lies the craziness, you know, because we all know if they, if if war happens, guess who's going? People that look like the three of us. But I guess my point to the both of you is that T and I, you and you and I can go, you know, Yankees, whatever, talk whatever baseball, talk whatever sport, and then we could talk, we could talk like, yeah, you see the debate, whatever. His the other side is the other. No, let me finish. Let me finish. Though. Let me let me finish. Let me finish. Let me. All right. So let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. So let me finish. Right. So let me finish. So the other side is all intertwined. Like they can't. 
It's about the flag. It's about everything and sports in between. We can we we can separate. It goes back to what I said. We can love Jackie Robinson and say, you know what? He was a Republican, but but boy, he was a good dude. But we can still love the guy, right? As a player on the, the whatever. I hate Charles Barkley off the uh, off the court. But I loved him as a Sixer fan, and we can d- distinguish that and and have a conversation about that. that. In this climate, they can't do that. We can't have those conversations with them. Be but ready you know with what? their ass. But you know what? Again, use my friend. Fuck them. Yeah. Really? Why worry about it? Why bother you? I mean, why? I mean, I get them. Fuck them. Yo, they, right, they, but they you know. said the conversation with them. I'm saying I can't have a conversation with them at all. So fuck them. I'm saying yeah, I, I can't. I, I can't have a conversation see, with them. But see, I don't. I don't. But see, here's here's the difference. I don't care to. I don't even crave to have a conversation with them. I'm not. You know. I'm not trying. You know what? I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to convert them. No. Stay as ignorant. What this? this you know. What, what was the old Billy Joe song? Love you just the way you are. Stay That's right. Stupider. Right. And to to Tony's point, Orlando, someone called the show Monday and said, well, and this is this is right up here where you, I know you would go. Um, this is a black woman in South Carolina. She said, well, I have a, a family member. That's a Trump supporter. What do you say to them? And I said, like T says all the time, I said, you got to pray and keep it moving. You can't, that you ain't going to save everybody, Orlando, as T says all the time. And so I said, you know, what do you want me to say? I, I can't, if he's, if he or she is a Trump supporter, uh, Orlando, what am I to say? Like, that's it. Not a, not- not a damn thing, and that's all right to be a supporter. Like everyone doesn't have to agree, and that's what Nick was talking about earlier. Like everyone doesn't agree with what's going on, and you have your right to disagree. But you know, if if you don't understand, you need water, and you're in a fire, then burn. <laughs> burn, baby, burn. It's it's remember yeah. remember the scene remember the scene in Malcolm. When he's getting ready to speak at, at a, I guess that's at a university or whatever, and you know a young upstanding white uh, female comes up to him right. and says, "What can I do to help? What can I do to help? I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm, I'm um, sympathetic to their, to your needs. I, I agree with what you're doing. How can we help? What Nothing. can I do to help? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Yep. And it wasn't, it wasn't, and see, it wasn't derogatory." It wasn't uh, complimented. It was just simple and plain. You know, Malcolm, one of Malcolm's favorite plays is was keep it plain. And he just kept it plain with her. Nothing. And I, and I got to believe, all, too, God. But see, I, I got to believe, too, T. That's what I say. That's what I say to your, uh, to, to your relative. Right, not mine, but yeah, but I'm sure we've well, got some. But yeah, yeah, but the 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 point that I think that the brother Malcolm was basically saying because if we let you in, y'all y'all gonna infiltrate the thing and mess it all up. Y'all gonna take it over because we already, we let you do it. Implied. That's already implied. That's right. already implied. Anyway, if 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 because again, yep. if you're already familiar with 
you know, how he's, uh, who he is and what he's talked about, you already know there's certain things that don't, that, you know, for lack of a better word, yeah, thank you, Captain Obvious. You know, you don't, you, there's certain <laughs> things that just, you know, you are, I don't have to put it this way. If, 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 let's put it this way. And, and don't take it personal, guys. If Doc Rivers a year from now is still asking Ben Simmons, shoot the damn ball, then it's time for Ben to go. Yeah. It's time for Ben to go. And see, in certain instances, if we're still having the same conversation, at some point, I'm going to stop having that conversation because right. I would much rather talk to the wall, who I know doesn't listen to what I say. And I'll get more out of it. Because look, these folks, the, you know, the, these folks are so caught up in their level of in their level of white supremacy, they can't Let's be watch the time. And mo- uh, they can't be saved, and they don't want to be saved. And you know what? I don't want to save them. I yeah, and save you know what? It, it, proverbally, Orlando, he's right. What if I'm going to talk to the wall? It, you know, I mean, it doesn't make any sense to keep saying and saying. I say that, and it's really immature because I say that to my kids all the time. Why do I have to keep telling you? I'm not going to keep telling you the same thing. It's really immature, Orlando. It, it, in a sense, you have kids. I mean, like, okay, so now I'm I'm through telling you. I'm going to show you, or something else is going on. But that uh, to to Tony's point, it's 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 valid. Listen, I tell my kids, or well, I tell Orlando, what kind of effort did you give? Did you give an effort that's going to denote you receiving an A or a B? Like, if you if you put no time in it and, you know, you have nothing to invest in it, then you can't expect perfection or, or something right. close to what you would think is perfection. Like, that's you right. can't fly an airplane. I can teach you how to – I can teach both you guys how to fly an airplane. But if you don't go and do it, you're going to have problems. Mm-hmm. You're going to have problems. Mm-hmm. It's a simulator. Like, you guys, that's why you have accidents with pilots who've been flying for 30, 25 years. Because the basic, the basic stick rudder coordination is off if you don't do it. If you don't do it. Mm. But I think we as, a black, as black people, and you said it before, and I know we're getting short on time, <clears throat> we wanted to do deal with this integration and we've integrated. So now this is what we have. And by the integrating, we sacrifice a couple of generations. And so this is now the effect of the cause. And I know that's gonna piss a lot of people off. But hey, do well. The views are coming to um, 1313 Mockerberg Lane, UNT. But uh, uh, real quick, uh, he mentioned Doc. Is he the the, the right fit? Can he turn that franchise around, Doc Rivers, real quick? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, it's going to work. You just watch what they do. Like, they're going to move Al. Um, They probably got to move Jay Rich. Um, And... You, you watch this name 
Um, and that was Mario Shayok, who was on the bench, right, who can flat out shoot the rock. Brett Brown didn't give him any play this year. You didn't need to go out and find a shooter. You had him there. But Brett Brown didn't know how to utilize him. Watch Mario Shayok next year. Well, I, I'm hoping, and I I said I know um, Orlando, you've been busy, but I said to T and others that if anybody can get this franchise right, is Doc Rivers, and I think that he will. Uh, I, I love my Sixers, and I want to brag on them. We need to win, plain and simple. So hopefully that'll happen. If you miss any part of the broadcast? Go to our website, the Bachelor News about airtime not pro Bachelor with a T, the Bachelor. News.airtime.pro. You can hear Big O. You can hear Tony T. Mac McQueen uh, doing a thing. And the, the insight, as you heard, they, they're powerful. We love to hear you listen to them. Uh, don't forget, uh, tomorrow, Locker Talk with Barry Barnes at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, Friday of the broadcast, at time of this broadcast. Again, the Bastion News Radio Network. We thank you for joining us. On the Bastion News Radio Network, the Bastion News Radio Show, WCOM, Carborough, North Carolina.